Over half of the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem. This causes them to opt out of important life events and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. Dove has created and uses educational, evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these educational and evidence-based printable resources to help increase self-esteem at dove.com DSEP. Hello, everybody. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 57. How's it going? Oh, it's been better, that's for sure. How are you doing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so used to things being effed up <laughs> that I'm not, I could be much more angry. Yeah, but the thing is, what usually F's up is not what just happened. So Shane and I just got the wrong grocery order from Instacart because we can't go grocery shopping because of all the COVID stuff. And this is the first time in months since Instacart started doing everybody's grocery shopping that they screwed it up this bad. They dropped off somebody else's entire order. And we wouldn't even be that upset if it was a good order. The good Because the good thing is you get to keep the other person's groceries for free. <laughs> but it was, it was like... Two giant loaves of white bread. Giant loaves. And 18 eggs or 16 eggs. and 2% then, milk. We don't drink that. We do homo or coconut milk. And what else did it have? Oh, it had... I, I don't like pulp. So there was a big jug of orange <laughs> juice with that pulp. But the thing that the other people got, our order, they hit the mother load. Oh, my God. We had this hazelnut and cinnamon coffee. We got three bags of these beans from Fortino's. And they, it's the best coffee it's in the so world. It's so good. And it's Ugh. so good. And it's so hard to get our hands on because they run out of it so quickly. And, you know, the three bags that I ordered tonight could have been the last three bags for the next two months. And these bozos got it. Yeah. So it's a bummer. And we also had a seed lip drink uh, ingredients because we have an exciting announcement about seed lip. But I digress. Who is on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> All right. On this episode, we have Serena Kerrigan or Serena fucking Kerrigan and Wells Adams. You kiss your mother with that mouth? I do. So <laughs> Adam Sandler, everyone. <laughs> anyway, if you don't know Serena Kerrigan, she is a confidence coach. The queen of confidence is what she goes by. And she has IGTV's first reality show ever that she started out of just wanting to do something in quarantine called Let's Fucking Date, where she goes on blind dates with guys every single week. And you can tune in, comment watch it happen and it's it's like amazing it's amazing tv life gave her covid and she made a dating show yeah good way to go and then we have wells adams and you might be confused like alex and shane you had wells adams a few episodes ago and you you know were kind of saying that you thought it was a weird episode well it's because of that that we got him well back. it's twofold it's, it's it, yeah one we were kind of being annoying people we were like oh we thought wells didn't like us Ooh, we thought wells <laughs> and so we're kind of complaining that way and also the audio was the worst audio in the world and wells is an audio professional yes. that's what he did for a living before this he's still a broadcast professional to this day so when he heard like 
the quality that alone oh. was enough to make him want to do it again but when he actually heard us being like we don't know if Wells likes this is he mean <laughs> he was like fuck this i'm going back on the podcast like not to redeem himself because the episode was fine it but just to actually make us yeah. the aka the squeaky wheel yeah. be satiated he was so generous with his time and so kind about it he reached out to shane and was like you know what guys let's do it again get me on and he stuck with us for like another hour and Which, by the way he shouldn't have because no. he had told me via email shane i don't want to be that guy but you have 45 minutes and i said sure here's my problem i'm used to the wrap it up manager in the background yeah so I forget the onus is on the host in these COVID scenarios. Mm -hmm. It's not on the guest just to say sayonara. So we kept Wells an extra 15 minutes <laughs> past what he wanted to. And oh my goodness, I'm, I'm embarrassed by another thing. We had asked Sarah Highland uh, yeah. to come on also and play a game. So he kind of gave us an inch. We took a mile and I'm embarrassed uh, to be that type of person like I don't want to be this guy I, I don't want to be an opportunist I don't want to be the squeaky wheel I want to make the best of opportunities I'm given and be appreciative and I really am and Wells if you're listening to this and I, I know you <laughs> I know you probably are I just want to uh, thank you I think you're a true professional oh all-around yeah. great guy and that's not to say I think you like us Wells but I because <laughs> I do think we are fairly annoying uh but yeah, like I said, the squeaky wheel does get the grease. It's true. And Wells, yes, thanks again. It uh, another great episode. So yeah, definitely, yeah, we're we're getting very lucky. We're we're hitting some home runs, and I'm hoping we can get really consistent and professional through all these lucky home runs. Like Emma mm -hmm. Wiggle was the dream guest, right? Mm -hmm. Now, now we've got another great one. And Shane, before we get into the rest of this award-winning episode, let's do a toast. Okay, two fucking better days. Better days ahead. <laughs> two loaves of white bread. Yeah. So what what do we got going on? So I was scammed for my sister's fortieth birthday. I tried to get her wireless headphones. Oh my god! And I know it's the fortieth, but these Apple AirPods are two hundred forty bucks. So I tried We're not to job in that. I tried to save a quick hundo, and I got headphones called Nokis, which you know that that might. Like, does that sound reputable? People that are listening, Nokis. Obviously, it, just, it doesn't sound good, Obviously Shane. not, but I did my due diligence. I went on YouTube and I looked it up and all these fairly reputable YouTubers were okay. reviewing it. Hold on. So were they sponsored by Nokis? No. I know, Alex. I'm with it. I'd be the one telling well, you that. And now look how well I know it. I haven't gotten a scammed in a full year. You only know because I know. Put your air watch well, whatever. away. The, what do you call it when the, there's an accident at the company? Uh, just we haven't had an accident in X amount of days. All right. Well, Alex hasn't had a scam in, in 365 days. Shane has had a scam in a week ago. But anytime I'm scammed, I get the money back. Mm. So I had to cancel the credit card. It, this huge audit investigation went on. Nokis got scared because they're probably trying to use my credit card for dubious yeah. things. And they're like, here's your money. Because they were sending me some weird emails. So wait, they gave us our money back? Yeah, they got scared. They, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. No, they they knew I was canceling my credit card. And they're they're probably checking on that. But they do this thing where they say, "Oh, we'll we'll give you two dollars and seventy nine cents back as a refund." But because of COVID, it's going to be a little bit later. And I researched it, and their whole plan is they wait past the thirty days, mm -hmm. and then they can legally 
kind of steal your money. Yeah. So that's one thing that was going on. Then the Fortinos thing just happened. Uh, what other frauds we got going on? Anything? Other frauds. Well, you know, just because we brought it up, I don't think that the, you know, the hotel fraud that we had last year in Jamaica and then the sexual assault by the employee that followed it. I mean, we haven't heard anything from that company. We haven't gotten our money back yet. We haven't gotten the sexual assault allegations mm. underway. Okay, quick backstory. <laughs> <laughs> Alex and I went to Jamaica about a year ago and... You know, there's a jerk chicken guy there, and the, they have the best jerk Great chicken in jerk Jam- chicken. Jamaica. So we're we're serving, and the guy says white or dark meat, and Alex says white, and then he says, "I don't, you don't want the dark meat," and then looks down to his, his dick, his yeah, his genital area, and then a- he said something about like like he was pretty explicit. He did say something like, "Do you want this dark meat?" Like it was explicit. Yeah, so we're you know I, I'm not upset, but I'm a little. Perturbed. I'm just like, geez, like the employees are doing this. So I, I send an email, gets ignored. And we were scammed into going on this trip yeah. too because Alex thought Kay. she got a $500 discount. Yeah, which I didn't, which at least they should have honored. Yeah, but. Anyhow, Shane, toast to oh, this geez. night. All right, better days, but we got the white bread. All right, so, you know, our drink ingredients didn't come tonight because they were in the screwed up grocery order but i did make us a nice little special surprise so this is called what alex's special surprise oh yeah it's it's very tasty it's refreshing and this was supposed to be way more celebratory because our announcement that i was going to save for the read that i'll say now you can now get 10 percent off Seedlip, yeah. if you order it, you know, we've been talking about Seedlip for months now. We begged Seedlip to be a sponsor. We were, I think, paying them for the first <laughs> three weeks of the sponsorship. But it is this family tree 10. This family tree 10. And yeah, that'll get you 10% off. All right. And well, I, I implore everyone to try it. Don't don't you want to know what's in it? What's in it? Al? I still made a nice drink. What's in it? So I, I made a simple syrup. And then I used Seedlip Spice 94, so it's like the woodsy variant. Mm. And then I combine it with some marmalade and tonic water. So we have simple syrup, marmalade, Seedlip, and tonic water. And it's like, it's super nice. I like this. It's very good. Okay, do we get into some topics? Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> Here's the problem too. I, f- I couldn't think of any topics. That was your job. I know, it's not very good for a podcast to go in with nothing to talk about. So I wrote down <laughs> on a sheet of paper. Would you? What are you looking forward to? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard. We're trapped in a box every day, which is our house. And hey, I'm having a great time. But conversations and like we don't watch a lot of TV. A lot of different things don't happen. A lot of problems do arise when you have kids, which can create topics. But this week... I was like, what What unique things is well, there to talk about? You know about? what unique thing happened? And listeners from last week, I'm sure, will be happy to know. What? Are we going to talk about that 69 session? <laughs> the joke being, of course, no one 69s, <laughs> let alone a married couple. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got we got frisky. And I just wanted to, to say that was great. See, that's frustrating that you say why? that. Okay, here's why it's frustrating. So when we got in uh, the argument, I, yeah. I, when I walked up, I was like, hey, let's have sex. And as everyone knows, the argument we got into was you said we had a sexless marriage. You said that 
the type of friskiness that we did get into, you said that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And that and you said other stuff isn't as important to you. So what we did was other stuff. <laughs> but now it's acceptable? I don't get it. And and this is confusing. Like if you want something, mm-hmm. like that's fine. But actually tell me what you want and be truthful with what you want because otherwise you're lying. Well, I think that it was the frequency of anything, the other stuff. Bull. That's bull. And and, and Alex, I, I, I don't want to get upset on the mic, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we know that's not true. We both know that's not true. All right. Well, anyhow, I just want to say that, that made me happy. Well, I'm glad that you're happy because <laughs> it's making me not happy All talking right. about it. Well, Shane, what are you looking forward to? You start us off. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to going to a restaurant. That's something Ooh. I haven't done. So you mean like post-COVID? What am I looking forward to? Of course. That's mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to think. What can we do? So we're lucky enough. We're lucky enough to be employed right now. So it is a little excuse to save a little money yep. and maybe go on a nice vacation one day again. I'm thinking <laughs> of that. Like it seems like it's never going to happen, but. That's only emotionally. I feel that intellectually, I know we are going to be able to go on a trip again. And here's the other thing, though, with that, because I do fantasize about traveling again. I know you and I were talking about like going somewhere like Greece in the Mediterranean. However, mentally, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Like we were recently looking at old videos from when we were at Disneyland over Christmas with Lucy and just seeing that many people all packed together, seeing photos from our plane ride. I cannot get my head wrapped around that because it does freak me out. Do you know what freaks me me out right now and feels so strange to me? What's that? Spending money. Yeah. (laughs) I I hate spending money right now. I used to, because I was just doing it so much, like you're on the commute, you're spending money for the commute and you're getting the Starbucks and you're getting your little snack and you're like, okay, I'm just dropping 50 bucks a day without even realizing it. If Mm -hmm. you asked me, I was probably thinking I was spending like eight bucks a day, but- and now I'm so conscious of spending money. Uh, clothing isn't really necessary. Like no. right now, like I'm out of underwear too right now. I'm just wearing long johns and a shirt. We used to like get dressed to the nines when we do these podcasts. Oh, it's, I wore a tux one episode. Well, for Serena's interview, I wore a nursing bra and that is interviewing Oh, a you person. showed her the nursing bra. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bravado I guess we one. are getting looser. Was it bravado? Uh, yeah, it was nice. bravado. Here, those uh, are good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, spending money is weird. And the thing with undies, like, I haven't worn underwear, like really. Like I wore underwear after I gave birth, but even then it was diapers I was wearing, not underwear. So I don't even see how you go through so much underwear, but I guess you have more stuff to keep in place. Yeah, and it feels nice. To wear underwear? Yeah, oh, and see, I, I have the best underwear. You have great underwear. I, I hate wearing underwear. I just, I don't like the feeling of it. <laughs> Jeez, can you tell Shane didn't have any topics this week? <laughs> Two and a half minutes on underwear? Pro or con? Yeah, but is there anything else you're looking forward to? Because <laughs> I'm sorry. I would like, here's the irony. I would be yelling at you if you came in this un- underprepared. But truth be told, too, this is a Thursday. We're doing this, not a Saturday. And uh, because oh, hey, there we go. Because we are going on a trip to the cottage, and I gotta say, Shane, not post COVID, but I'm really looking forward to that. 
Yeah, me too. I, but there's stress associated with everything I do. I I want to get a computer up at the cottage mm-hmm. so it can function as another office. Yes. And I'm worried about getting that thing set up. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. You had told me we had this this windfall of money coming. Oh. And when I say windfall, I mean the government, the bank was okay, thinking. I'll, yeah, okay. I'll say the story. So what happened was I had the woman that lives in a house that we sold them about two years ago. She DMs me over Instagram. It's a house we used to live in. Mm-hmm. And she goes, hey, Alex, I have mail from your insurance company for you. And I go, my insurance company? Like, they know we live in our current house. Like, I'm paying for insurance on it. They send me all my mail here. So I was really confused. Got it, opened it up. And they go, "Uh, Alexandra, we weren't able to take out, you know, your insurance money on the house this month from this one account that, oh, my God, we haven't used in two years. So I'm like, they were taking out money, like, for this month and then i called the insurance company in you know a flustered panic only to find out that we've been paying insurance on that house monthly for the last two years it's like 150 dollars a month it like it's crazy so they're giving me the runaround i gave them documents that showed that we sold it to the folks that are currently living there it had everybody's signatures on it they were telling me those documents weren't good enough and they have me jumping through hoops to get this money back, even though it's their error. Will we get the money back? We will. Like, we have to. It was it was their mistake. How confident are you? Because you told me 100% we'd get it this week and we're not getting it. Well, I didn't realize how lazy everybody was going to be. Are we going to get it be. next week? We'll get it next week for sure. But, like, everybody I was talking to at the insurance company, at the lawyer's office, everybody was so, you know, lackadaisical and not their top priority, obviously. But, uh, no, it's coming. And... That's another crazy kind of scammy thing that happened yeah. to and us. And I'm wondering how many scams have gone on under my nose without mm-hmm. me noticing because I'm hyper uh, aware of our bank account now. Because we're spending less, it's harder for things to kind yeah. of just like fall through the cracks. Yeah, fall through the cracks. So check your if you online banking, check it a lot because there's little things that'll just you'll just be getting like, oh, a two dollar charge yeah. every month. And you think, oh, it's only two bucks. But now I'm calling the bank and like, what's this charge? What's this? Because I don't want any scams of any sort. And even something like you think, uh, what, what, what kind of payment was this? Insurance payment? Yeah. You think that's a pretty big deal. Hundreds of dollars are coming out. And somehow they were able to do it without us even noticing. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. It's crazy and it's infuriating. Uh, but yeah, that's just, that's how our life has been this week. Which, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. So of course, a of lot course. of people are probably rolling their eyes at the the BS we're complaining about because there are real, real things going on. And I always have to think of that. And Absolutely. that's what I do think about because I feel like two years ago, I would have been a lot more pissy right now than I am because <laughs> we are healthy and I am happy. Aww. And uh, that's it. What, do you have anything else to talk about? No, I say uh, let's take it to the interviews. Take it to the interviews. Okay, so first up, we're going with Serena Kerrigan, and she uh, she was a good interview. She was Very awesome. easy to talk to. I was kind of nervous to talk to her because I really look up to her on Instagram, and she gets me so pumped up about myself. So my one of my best girlfriends, Victoria, months and months ago, she was like, Alex, you got to watch this show. It's called Let's Fucking Date. It's on IGTV. This girl just goes and blinds dates these guys every week. And you can kind of like get involved by commenting. She reads your comments as she's going on the date. And it's this crazy thing. And she makes you feel so damn good about yourself. So I started following her. And then like 
my girlfriend and I just started sending each other Serena stuff like every second day because it just, you know, it pumps you up. She's like your best friend on Instagram and she's a professional confidence coach, but she's younger than me. And just like, yeah, and she's just got her shit together and she's very, very cool. So I was a little bit nervous today. She did say one thing I disagreed with, though. She was talking about how like friends are more important than marriage. Yes. You notice that part? Yes. And that I find found to be a sign of a younger person. I, yeah. Because when say. you're when you're 26, you feel like my friends are here forever. But in my experience, they ain't. <laughs> it's it is that partner. But again, she's a child from of divorce. I mm-hmm. am too. So once that you're kind of burned by that, I guess yeah. some people's mentality is, oh, like that can dissolve. But a friend, you can't break up with a friend. But what you do do is in, in these <laughs> in these times is they just they, they fade away, fade, fade further away. And they're still there in your life. And when you do see them that once every once a year, once every mm-hmm. two years, it's things are the same, but they're not that ever present omnipresent yeah. presence you know no, you so get, I, th- I think she was off there i i do as well and you know you just got to get yourself a partner who's uh also your best friend and then you sure. got all your bases covered am i your best friend yeah 100 percent. Mm-hmm. am i your best friend i would think so mm-hmm. i don't even know if i have a friend anymore <laughs> <laughs> just by uh, you just got me well alex <laughs> <laughs> you win by default <laughs> thank you and we're laughing because we just i was trying to think of a better expression and uh we took about a five minute break so i could gather my thoughts and that's what i came up with but there and is an expression that exists that i cannot think of right there now. there is and i just want to clarify i don't win by default because you have told me numerous occasions very happily that i am your best friend but, but i don't have any other friends i know but in comparison to them if you did have them i would still be your best friend yeah no you would you would. I know that. But sometimes on a podcast, you want to seem cool <laughs> and like you got all these beer buddies. Well, we got beer buddies. We just uh, pandemic, babe. Yeah. I don't even know if I have beer buddies. I honestly don't. You do. I Guaranteed. Do? Yeah. Of course I do. I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I'm extremely popular. But let's go to the extremely popular Serena Kerrigan. Really enjoyed this interview. I know you will too. But first, Alex, tell us who we are supported by. We are supported by Hiccupop. Hiccupop makes innovative products from pregnancy to toddlerhood. The designers, engineers, and computer geeks behind Hiccupop aren't just manufacturers, but they're parents too, and they're dedicated to creating cutting-edge products that meet the highest safety and quality standards. And what is your favorite Hiccupop product? Oh, okay. Well, they're all really high rated on Amazon, like top sellers. Yeah, but, but I want your opinion, Alex. Okay, I like the inflatable toddler bed because we travel so much, we go up to the cottage and it is just so easy to pack away in the car, pack away in your luggage and then use wherever you want. But they also have pack and play mattresses, collapsible baby booster seats with trays and an inflatable car booster seat. They're luxuries that you can't travel without and they're all, as I said, top sellers on Amazon. Like they're amazing products. And Amazon doesn't lie to you, right? 
right? <laughs> like no. it's the people. It's not a lot of like Russian bots on there. No, absolutely not. The power's in the people's hands based on reviews and they're ethically produced. Hiccupop takes pride in working closely with nonprofits that serve the disadvantaged in our communities. So check out Hiccupop either on Amazon.com or Hiccupop.com and use the promo code FAMILYTREE20 for 20% off. Again, that is Amazon.com or Hiccupop.com, H-I-C-C-A-P-O-P. And use the promo code FAMILYTREE20 for 20% off. Limit one use per customer. Is this in Canada or the States? U.S. only. Ooh, ouch. Hate to be Canadian at moments <laughs> like this. But we are also supported by... My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. And breast is spelled B-R-E-S-T. Yes. Bet you didn't know that. When looking it up, you definitely want to make sure of that. For more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and has been used in thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. When did the breast pillow come to popularity? Is it called a breast pillow? (laughs) Nursing pillow. Nursing pillow. When did that come about? I don't know. I'm assuming that there's been some type of nursing pillow for the last I don't know, millennia since women have been nursing. My breast friend perfected it. Is oh that right? Oh my God. Did they ever? I've been using it since Lucy and it makes the biggest difference. I would get the worst like kink in my neck and strain in my arm. But my breast friend has been the pillow of choice for nursing mothers and lactation consultants for more than 20 years who credit the pillow for helping them achieve longer and more comfortable feeding sessions than they thought were possible. It's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. And you can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. It's all over the place. So is this Canadian or American? Both. Oh, nice. There you go. (laughs) There you go, Canada. But now let's get to our interview with Serena Kerrigan. Serena, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. I know it's a busy day. You got a date later. But uh, we do really appreciate it. I want to know your job description. What would you at this point in your life consider that to be? Because I know you're a director, content creator, serial dater. So (laughs) Uh, it's so funny that you mentioned that because last night me and my mom were talking about this, how every time I'm on one of my dates, it's like I get kind of stuck because um, I wear many hats. Um, Definitely a content creator. I've been making films since I was 15 years old, writing and directing my own movies in high school, college, definitely a writer. I love to perform. I'm a performer. I'm a host. I'm a serial dater, which I didn't realize that was a profession, but apparently <laughs> now it is. Why the hell not? And, you know, a part of my job that I rarely get to sh- really showcase is actually that I'm a confidence coach and that I have over a hundred clients predominantly women ranging from the ages of 14 to 60. And it really, it's funny because, and this is why it was brought up last night. I was like, it's, it's not something that I, you know, I don't show my sessions, you know, I don't showcase the kind of impact that I make. And that's kind of why I love it too, because it's such, such a sacred moment Mm -hmm. uh, that I have with my clients and having them change their point of view and their perception of themselves and, and their place in the world. And it's actually like the best thing I'm good at. Like by far of all the things I do, it's like confidence coaching is truly, it's my gift. Now, are you good at this? You think because you've always been confident or is it because at one point you were not, and then you knew how to overcome that and become good at being confident? 
I will start out by saying that everyone is born with confidence. Um, it's not something that some people have and some people don't. It's just that, you know, as we become older and I'm saying like, you know, when we're like four years old on the playground, like, and you know, someone pushes us or like a little kid says they don't like our shoes. Like we kind of brush it off because we don't, you know, we're not aware, but Mm -hmm. then when we become more aware of our place in the world and, you know, subscribe to these narratives of who we're supposed to be, whether, you know, and women obviously have this a lot are very pressured to, you know, look a certain way, act a certain way and end up with a guy because then Mm -hmm. she's suddenly complete. I think that's when we start to lose our confidence. And yeah, I mean, and also upbringing, you know, who your parents are, the way that they speak to you, you know, there's so many other factors. If you're the only, you know, black person in your all white school, there's so many things that will make you lose your confidence. And I lost mine. And I think it was when I got to Duke when I was a freshman that I was really sick of it. Like, I was just like, I hated that the perception of myself was so based off of another person's opinion or the perception of an opinion. Mm. Like, not even that someone was like, you're not hot or cool. It was just that what I thought people were thinking about me. Mm-hmm. And I finally was like, uh-uh, no more. And I created this persona called Serena fucking Kerrigan, which allowed me to, you know, project an image of confidence when I didn't have it. And not that I knew that in the moment, I wasn't that aware of why I suddenly wanted to be Serena fucking Kerrigan, but like something in me was like, no, like I'm a bad bitch. Here's my reminder to myself that I can walk into any room and like take up space. Yeah. And then eventually like Serena and SFK kind of became the same person, like mesh, even though I love to play with her as a character and write for her. But yes, that journey, understanding of how I got from point A to point B is literally like what I teach to my clients. Do you feel like you're at your peak confidence right now? I was watching some videos of of you this morning and it's not like you're a completely different person, but you just seem like you're so comfortable in your skin right now in a way that maybe you weren't in the earlier videos I was watching. Without a doubt, and you're very perceptive and I love that you picked up on that. I think that, you know, so much of my self-worth was tied to attention from men in college because I didn't have something of my own that made me happy that only I was in control of. Now it's like, I can write a script. I can make a TV show. I can connect with my followers. I can do, like, I'm so in control of my own happiness and even beyond work. Like, I love my friends. Like, I don't feel tied to another person. And that's really what it was. It was like, I hate that if like a guy didn't text me back, all of a sudden, like my entire self-worth was shot. Like that, to me, that lack of control, like Mm. was very scary. And it it just, it's just, it's shitty because then you spend, you're not happy. And like, for me, it's like, I want to be happy for the majority of my life because our life is very short. And so it was really like, you know, I was very unhappy at my job, my last job, because I was there for three and a half years. And I was promised, you know, a level of success that I never really got to, even though I was so willing to put in the work. And I realized that like the only person is going to make my dreams come true or is myself. And so when I quit my job and I really started to define what is my company, what is my real brand? Like, what is my purpose? It's just like, I've never felt more confident. And then in terms of dating, it's like the first thing a lot of the guys notice is like how confident I am. And they love that. And like, even my whole dating show has made me a lot more confident in my own skin. So it's kind of this like, you know, cyclical thing, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing after another. But I think that bottom line, like, you spend the majority of your life working, like you need to do what you love. Like you do like period. There's never a morning I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I just, I don't, I don't feel that way. 
And I think that that is really tied to confidence too. For me, I feel like I always used to need to be in a relationship and I'm married now. I'm in a a long-term relationship, (laughs) but if I had a roommate, I, I wonder, would it be easier for me to date? Because then that feeling of loneliness wouldn't be there. For you, do you find you're less, for lack of a better term, desperate to get a boyfriend and more comfortable to date around because you have that roommate? Well, my roommate wasn't here for all of quarantine. And that's oh, really? why I started the show. Right. Okay. Right. She was with, she was actually with her parents and then with her boyfriend. And like, I really had the apartment to myself and now, and she's still with her boyfriend and they're like an example of a very healthy, non-toxic, like beautiful relationship. And as much as I love that for her and I, and I would want, and I want that for me one day, I really do. Like, it's like, it's a great relationship and, and I'm so lucky because my parents got divorced when I was two and I didn't really grow up with like, what does this really look like? And so seeing that it was attainable, it, that it's attainable is amazing, but it is, it's, it's just, there's so many things that I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not to say that like, you can't be in a committed relationship and not have extreme success. It's just like, well, first of all, I have this dating show, but let's just talk about it as when the show ends. Cause it will, you know, at some point. It's like, I don't know. I feel like my focus, my true focus is like accomplishing the things that I want to. And that's like having a partner is not really in the cards. And I, people are going to be like, well, like you're on the dating show. Like, don't you want, it's like the dating show was to make connections and whether that leads to love incredible. But I find that reality television dating shows is all about like getting the guy to get on one knee. Like you have to find love or else you're Mm -hmm. fucked. Like I was so over that narrative and I was like, no, I can just date have fun and like, and, but open-minded to any, wherever it may go. But I think that women put so much pressure on themselves because they are told from society, they need to get married to have a happily ever after from a very young age, like Cinderella. And it's so dangerous because they're so looking for like, I have a boyfriend instead of like, like, like I have a boyfriend and like, I need to be chosen versus Mm -hmm. I choose and like, does this person fit into my life? Do I really like this person? And, you know, like, and, and that's, I don't know. I think that that's, that's really important. And, you know, and I think it's not to say that like my brand can't have a boyfriend in my, like my <laughs> life, but like right now, you know, I'm 26 and like, I'm making yeah. extreme strides. I quit my job in February yeah. and like I've accomplished so much in, in under a year that like, it's just not in the car. It's just not on the cards right now. Yeah. Well, it would kind of ruin the show too if you had <laughs> fallen in love. Like, could you? This is a dumb question, but could you still have the show if you had a boyfriend? There's. An, it's absolutely not a dumb question. Um, get asked that all the time. I really live my life, and especially with the pandemic, like one day at a time. I mean, like I set very high goals and new standards for myself, but like you know, I could walk across the street and fall in love. Like it's just like, it doesn't like, you know, yes, obviously like the odds are in my favor if like I'm dating every week, but like, I don't know. I just, it's weird. It's this weird thing. Like, is it a job or is it real life? And like, it's both, it's both. And I'm open-minded, but like the goal of the show isn't to like find a boyfriend. The goal of the show is to date and a 30 minute date on Instagram live like what you think I'm just gonna have a boyfriend right after that like no but it's a great great way to like meet people that I normally wouldn't have and that was what was the great thing about the pandemic is like I was stuck in my apartment my roommate had left I felt really alone I felt really like not even just in terms of like a relationship but like I wanted connection and I was like this is such a great way to meet people and that's why 
the men that come on the show, it's a blind date because I feel like we go into dates with so many preconceived notions about who the guy is before we even get there, whether it's on an app or, you know, you're introduced to a friend. And so I met so many great people. And by the way, like so many guys from season one come on the after show for season two and tell me what they think. And I'm friends with a lot of these guys. Were they the guy for me? No. Were some of them are like in Miami, like never going to happen. Sure. But it's like, that's the thing. It's like making connection is just as society. Sorry, I'm talking so much, but society places a premium on marriage the way Mm -hmm. it does in other connections. So people are like, Oh, like, aren't you looking for love? It's like, why can't I say I want to find a connection? And that's just as valid as a relationship leading to marriage. You know, like if you think about the institution of marriage, it's like, it's a government thing. It's not like it's a piece of paper. It's a legal thing. It's not like there's so much emphasis placed on it. And what I'm trying to teach young girls and my audience and my clients is that like, friendships are like, I would even say even more important because you'll have friends your whole life. So, um, so that's really, you know, the show. (laughs) I I think that's so good. And I actually had a question. So in regards to your success, because obviously you're super successful, you are confident and you are doing so much. And that's maybe why, you know, having somebody with you, like as a boyfriend right now, wouldn't really be in the cards. But do you find that men, even before the show and on the show, are emasculated in any way by your success? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, and I think that that's why, like, it's like a known thing that like, so a couple of weeks ago, I had two 23-year-olds on the show. I'm 26. So they were like, I had two 20-year-olds because you have to subtract for (laughs) years. And like, it was just like, you know, the first one got really insecure and really, and then was like kind of like, just like not yeah. nice. And then the second one, I mean, it was like a baby. Like, and so, yeah, not hundred percent. Like if I'm in a relationship, it's going to be a guy in his thirties already successful, already like mm-hmm. feeling good himself. But like, I'm not going to like tone myself down to like make someone else happy. Like they have to just be happy with the fact that I'm the queen mm-hmm. of the world. Like I'm about and it doesn't, and like, I don't want to be with someone that isn't also just as driven and successful as me mm-hmm. too. So do you think that like the solution there is just to find somebody who's cool with that dynamic from the get-go or is there a way to explain it and make a guy feel more comfortable with the dynamic where the woman is making more and is more successful than him? I don't necessarily want to be in a relationship where I'm more successful than the guy. Yeah. And that's why, like, I, you know, like, I don't, like, I don't want to, I've been in that relationship Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's not good. I understand that men like are natural born hunters and they have to provide, like, I get that, like, and I don't want to emasculate a man. And I think that the thing about my persona on let's fucking date, it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a, it's, I'm performing, like it's a Mm -hmm. show. So it's a, I mean, asking about like who they're fucking in the first 30 (laughs) minutes of meeting them, like, come on, I wouldn't do that on a real date. So I think that like meeting the real Serena on a date, like I'm much more like soft and calm. And the true me. And I also like would really prefer them to not see my Instagram before because they think that that's who I am. And like, it's just, it's a heightened version of who I am. So I wouldn't tone myself down because I don't really like, but I like, I'm not ever going to tone my success down. That's just, I work hard for it. I have nothing. But in terms of like, you know, like I let them lead. Let's put it that way. I let let them lead. Yeah. No, you got to give them a little bit. But in regards to relationships in general, you know, I think of female friendships and female relationships, and they can be toxic as anything I find, especially when you start to gain a little bit of success. So from your path to just Serena Kerrigan, then to Serena fucking Kerrigan, and now to Serena, the queen of confidence, have you lost female friends along the way? Oh, 100%. Mm. Of course. 
but like that's normal right like yeah. I mean I think actually like the biggest like fall off was uh, from high school to college and it was I think you know in part was like a lot of jealousy and I think that like I and I used to I used to be someone who like wanted everyone to like me and like I wanted to like it would kill me if like a friend was mad at me and and like again like mm-hmm. you're placing your happiness on other people like not good not yeah. good you know and I realized like over time like it's very easy for me to evaluate like who my true friends are like my roommate's my best friend in the world like she's the person that's always going to give it to me very real and like that's not because and that's how she's a true friend because yeah. she she's, her criticisms of me and I'm quoting here is is a way just because she wants me to grow and she wants mm-hmm. the best for me it's not a criticism because she doesn't like me or she you know so that's why I'm very open to it but and that's what I tell people. I'm like, if someone's just like being a dick, whether yeah. it's in your DMs or like, a, like you don't have to be friends with them. And like, you should only have people in your life that are lifting you up and are making sure that you're doing okay. And there's plenty of times where like, maybe I put in an Instagram story or maybe I talk to a guy that's like totally fucked me over, but I'm making this fake up narrative in my head that he's great, you know? And like, that's when I have my best friends be like, uh-uh, like, mm-hmm. no, like you should take, right? But that's because they want what's best for me. And that's the type of people to keep in your life lives. How do you get over shitty friends? I think you just have to realize like, if it's not a fuck yes, it's a no. And that's in a relationship or a friendship. Like if it's not giving you a fuck yes, if it's not making you happy, if it's giving you anxiety, you feel like you have to act differently or you're afraid to say something. It's not, it's just not your person. Like, and you don't want what doesn't want you. Like in college, like there was like this running joke that like, whenever I would get like upset, like it was just like my immaturity and anxiety. Like I would like get really upset and like slam the door. And then I'd come back like five minutes later, like sobbing. And like my parents, my friends would just like crack up because they're just like, there goes Serena, like going to slam the door. And I'd always come back and it was like my anger. And then like my tears, Mm -hmm. my, I was never afraid to do that. Because like your friends are safety and your relationship and your husband and your wife, that's safety. And so when I get questions, like I'm afraid to ask, it's like, well, then that's not, that's not the relationship for you. And like, is it painful? Yeah. And like, I walked away even in 2020 from like toxic relationships and like where I felt like I couldn't be, I couldn't, I couldn't tell my truth. And is it painful as it was to walk away and to not talk to them anymore? Like when you love that's, it's just such an indicator that you love yourself because when you love yourself, you're willing to walk away from something that doesn't serve you. And you're not afraid of how you're perceived. Like you're not like, and I, I have been vilified by some of those people I walked away from and I don't care because I live on this planet once and I have to be happy. Yeah. Would you be able to be with someone in a relationship who didn't love themselves? Absolutely not. Like not even a question. I, I, I honestly just also, because what happens with insecurity is like an extreme form is like narcissism. Right. And there's people, very close people in my life and my family that are narcissistic. And when you hate yourself so much, you, you know, it's like deep self-hatred. I think that people think of narcissism as like they're conceited because they're so cocky and confident. No, like quite the opposite. Like they hate themselves so much that they're projecting this image of themselves that they're like the best and like everything's about them because they feel so small. And the problem with that is that they bring other people down. They, and it's like everyone, everything is someone else's fault and they're nasty. And I really like truly like only surround myself with people that like are confident. And like, we like, no, like there's a running thing where it's like, if you're around me, whether you're on my team, my best friend, or it's like, we don't speak badly about ourselves. Like you're allowed to say like, I feel like kind of gross. Like I like ate some ice, much ice cream. Great. That's a feeling. But if you're like, I'm fucking gross, I'm disgusting. Like it's absolutely unacceptable because you dictate the narrative of who you are. 
Like you write the identity of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely unattractive to be with someone who like hates themselves. And I just believe that like the key to happiness is loving yourself. Like it's just the key here. Like it spills into everything, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you notice a situation that you don't like, you don't settle being like, well, this is the best I can can get. Mm -hmm. You always strive for the best because that's what you deserve, but you know you deserve that. Mm -hmm. So Serena, you are objectively good looking. You're thin, you're white. Do you think your brand of confidence is, you know, accessible for like a fat black woman? I think that's a really great question. Um, I worked at a women's media company um, that was like all about empowering women Mm -hmm. before I quit my job. And, you know, I think that they made a lot of amazing strides. I mean, I think they led the way for, you know, the anti-vogue, like classic white thin woman. Mm -hmm. And then they made a lot of mistakes, which was like, you know, not hiring you know, people of color and black women in leadership positions. Right. And so, and, and then what happens is like, there's such a trickle and there was a lot of racism and a lot of things that I saw, a lot of toxicity in that company, myself included. And right, like I'm white and privileged. So, um, when I started my company, I was thinking a lot about like, you know, how do I shift that? Like, how do I like do what they did wrong? Right. And so, you know, I think that I can't comment, is my brand accessible to people that don't, I can't comment. I mean, I have black clients, so, you know, like we've talked about, like, you know, they say something like, you know, I'm like really feeling it because of something that happened in the news. And I go as much as I can understand, like, this is like what I can offer you. Um, I'm just like a very, 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 very empathetic person. And I feel the weight of, you know, of wrong on my shoulders. Like I was talking to my mom about that. I was like, I said to my mom, I was like, I'm so angry. And I'm not forgetting the question. I'm going to answer no. not like, <laughs> not like my friends. I'm not like my, I will answer questions. But <laughs> like I, I, last night I said, I was like, I was so angry. I was like, why aren't every celebrity influencer like talking about voting and like telling us who they're voting for and being so honest? Like it just bothers me because it's like, this, these are the lives of people. Like this is life. This is human life, you know? And like, you know, if Trump wins, will I be affected? Most likely like a little bit, but not really. Like I'm very privileged, so I probably won't be, but that doesn't fucking matter. Like it's, you know, it just, it angers me so much that our people are born into this world. And at some point they realize that they almost have a disability like that. I, I can't understand how that, that can be real because like it's skin color and it's like beautiful. It just, it really angers me. And my mom said that like ever since I, it's just, I've always been like that. Like I've always like had this like deep passion for like fairness and like justice and like, you know, and equality, but also like a very empathy, empathetic approach. So am I claiming that, you know, empowerment means one thing and I'm offering that for every single person? Obviously not because this is my experience and I can never, ever, ever speak to a black experience. I can't, but I'm very passionate and I listen and I learn and I try and whether that's representation, for example, like the, uh, producer, the lead producer of let's fucking date is a black woman. The head of my PR is a black woman. The, my managers are Latinx women. My editor is a gay man. So I intentionally where I can make actual change. I try, like I try, because I know that if I hire a black woman as a producer, we will see a great range of diverse men on my show. Right. So that's why you have to hire at the top. So I don't know if that fully answers your question because I don't feel like I'm the, I can be the one to answer it. But what I can do is say like, I believe that talking that the way to be confident is having the relationship with yourself and talking to yourself in the mirror. And that can apply to anyone. 
And, um, and you're right. Like, you know, there's other, there's societal factors that like, regardless is if you like love yourself, you go out in the world and like people hate you, but that's why having that relationship with yourself, nurturing it and being your best friend and biggest advocate in a world that sometimes people aren't that I think is really like what will lead you to happiness for the most part. In your experience, how much do you think the way we look and our looks are tied into confidence? In other words, can you feel like, oh, I don't feel like I look good. However, I'm still confident. Or should we just say, hey, I, I, I do believe I look good, even if we begin thinking we don't. So the reason why we don't think we look good is because of a narrative that white men have oppressed us with. It's not real. Like, what is beauty? First of all, beauty comes from within. Mm-hmm. Beauty comes from, I met so many quote unquote hot guys that are fucking awful, so unattractive, like whenever, because it's about your personality. It's about your goodness as a person. Like think about all the people you've ever met in your life. Like you don't really remember what they look like. You remember the impact that they made on you. How did they make you feel? So, and I know that's like, ah, like so easy for you to say you're beautiful by what standard though? Like you guys are saying, well, you're an attractive woman, but like who made that up? A white man. So it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, I just, eh. I think that beauty comes from within and like, you know, that's why like seeing someone like Lizzo take this, everyone can objectively say like Lizzo's beautiful. Why? Because yes, she's a beautiful body short, but it's also because Lizzo is an amazing personality. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I've never been, a sh- and that's why people are like, what's your type? And I'm like, personality, I don't give a shit what you look like. Like, are you going to make me laugh? Are you driven? Are you funny? Are you happy? Like, that's what I care about. So it's like really challenging that narrative that we've been put to. It's so much unlearning. And it's like, and that's why like, I have to do the confidence coaching. Like I have to, like, I have to kind of shake people and be like, you realize like what we, Cinderella is my favorite movie since I was four years old. <laughs> that movie's literally telling you like you, a, be- a girl that was abused by her family. The only way out is if she gets glam squad and like, it's all done up, goes to a fucking bar, meets a rich guy. And then boom, she, once he picks her, she lives happily ever after. Yep. And also look what Cinderella looks like. So I mean, that messaging is one movie. Like, it's beyond dangerous. Mm-hmm. So scary. Well, okay, so we have we have two daughters. Our oldest one is two and a half. All right. Same with you. She loves Cinderella. Bippity boppity boo. She's got her dress. She's all over it. She loves looking like a princess. So we've been trying to figure out like how do we raise her so that she's not going to be so you know put down if somebody comments on her looks or if she doesn't end up fitting a standard or something like that. And it's tough. So we're trying to eliminate the words like pretty and beautiful and things from from our vocabulary. But then I was reading something where you were talking about your mom and all the affirmation she would give you when you were young, like including like a shower curtain that said whatever, like you look great today. So how do you balance, you know, those positive affirmations and telling your kid you look awesome or you are awesome with not using language that has to do with looks? Well, I think that like, you know, um, I think there needs to be an emphasis on them feeling it like from Mm -hmm. themselves. So teaching them, putting a mirror in front of them and be like, that's your best friend in the mirror. Say hi to her. Like I literally, that's what I tell my client. I'm like, whenever I go in, I'm like, you know, the way to being confident is fucking free. I mean, Mm -hmm. the session obviously wasn't because my time is money, but (laughs) it, it really is free. Like you have to look at yourself and love yourself. You are the one person in your life that was with you from the day you were born till the day you die. That mm-hmm. one person consistently there. And we neglect that person. It's one, because capitalism is preying off of our insecurity. Look at the weight loss industry, the beauty industry, though they're profit. You know, it's like they want women to be insecure. Also, if we're insecure, then what do we do? We get married, da, 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 you get it. 
you know, and then two, it's like, you know, as human beings, like our physical makeup, like we don't have eyes like looking at ourselves, you know, so we're, we need a reflective surface. You know, my nursery for my kids, it's just going to be all one big fucking year because what I'm telling you, it's like, it's not about you guys giving them your kids compliments. It's about them complimenting themselves. It's about them giving themselves that validation. So, you know, and, and it's tricky and like, it's, I am scared to be a parent and I'm scared to like have to deal because it's like as much as you can, you know, prepare them and give them love, you know, and you know, so much positivity. It's like when they go to school, it's like fucking shot out the window because you don't know what those interactions are like. So that's why I'm saying it has to, they need to feel it from themselves. Mm -hmm. They need to be in the mirror saying like, and that's the thing, like I never believed in like, you know, standing like I am worthy. Like I, cause like you would never tell your best friend you are worthy ever. I've never, <laughs> no one's ever said to me. I've never said to anyone, right. Yeah. What I tell my best friend, like you look fucking hot or like, you're going to crush that presentation or that, you know, application to business school. I got you. Like you are so smart. Like think that's the dialogue mm -hmm. and that's what they need to be doing to themselves. Yeah, no, I love that. And so who is your confidence guru then? Because you are that to so many people, but who do you look up to? I honestly look up to my mom. You know, my mom, you know, was, a doctor in Argentina and she quit her job. I'm sorry. She, after she finished medical school, she like quit and like came to the United States and went to film school and then became a TV executive. And you know, the, the biggest lesson she really like taught me was like after she, her and my dad divorced when I was two, they stayed really good friends, but she never dated anyone again because I think that she needed to prove she was in two very long codependent relationships mm -hmm. that were, you know, not great. And she really needed to prove to herself, like, ah, no, my job, my daughter, my friends, like reading, writing, whatever the fuck she does, that's what makes me happy. Yeah. And so I'm so, I was so fortunate to grow up with someone who really, like to this day, like doesn't have a partner because like she is her partner and she isn't alone. Mm -hmm. And like that whole concept of like being alone means being lonely is like not real. Like you're with your best friend. Yeah. You know, so like she empowers me so much and she's like, you know, a real reason of like how I got to here. Yeah. I was just going to uh, ask about separation anxiety. I was reading that maybe because of yeah, the- Yeah, y'all really did your research. I <laughs> fucking love it. It's great. I love it. Love be it. Because of the divorce that happened. My parents divorced when I was six. Your parents divorced when you're two. For me, it's more abandonment issue. And I'm not sure how correlated that is with separation anxiety. But how does that affect your ability to not just hop into a, a relationship at a moment's notice too soon? Yeah, I mean, like, it's so funny, men it does. So the separation anxiety is totally because of the fear of abandonment. And I mean, it used to be really bad, like, like, panic attacks, like I took medication, and then I was able to like, kind of, I can sense it, I can understand it. But like, it'll be small things. It'll be like, you know, someone on my team is like, I'm, you know, like I have to do something else for two weeks. Like I can't work with you. And I, I get that. Like they're like leaving me like they're, you know, and they're not. And like, I, I'm very honest and open about it, about like, I, this is uh, sometimes happens and sometimes I might act irrationally, but no, it's like that anger or that like annoying. It's like, it's like that, like you're leaving me vibe. Like it's because like, I'm so afraid of being left, which yeah. is weird because I am so empowered. Right. So like you would think like, why do you have that mm. fear? And I think it's kind of just sent from divorce sent from something very irrational and I'm very quick to like pinpoint it. But in terms of a relationship, I think like it really, it's tough. Like I think, you know, I'm very scared of getting attached and like having that fear. And I think that perhaps that's 
why, you know, in my first relationship as in college, like classic me, your first love, it's like a fucking disaster. Like got dumped at a wedding, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. that was something that came up a lot. Like you'd be like, I have to go to like to the library and I'd like cry. And I'd be like, why are you abandoning me? Crazy. Like, no. And like, I felt so out of control. I think partly was because I didn't have a job. Right. And like I school, whatever, like I didn't have something of my own. Mm-hmm. So I put so much of my self-worth on that relationship. But I do think that like, after that, I really like needed to prove to myself, like you, like you're good. Like you don't need that. And I think maybe there is a fear of falling in love because you lose that sense of control as beautiful as it is. And like, I'm excited for that moment that I get to fall in love again. It's so fucking scary. It's so scary. So, yeah. Did you find that you were, cause I found I did this. I, I was sabotaging my relationships in a way I was so scared to be cheated on that if I even suspected it, I would cheat. So then if something happened, I'd be like, oh, I did it to fucking you. So you can't hurt me because I've already done it to you. Would, would you do anything like that? Not necessarily cheating, but anything. Yeah, I mean, I think that I self-sabotage a lot by picking people that are actually emotionally unavailable, right? So like, you know, knowing it's not a fuck yes, but yeah. holding on because maybe secretly deep down, I, I'm not, I can't be, I'm too afraid to be in a relationship or like, like, I think that like, if you think about my past boyfriends or, or people that I was in some kind of whatever, like I knew deep down that they weren't really it, but I stuck along because I don't think I'm ready. Is it because I'm not ready because I don't, I'm, I'm scared or is it because like I'm working on my career yeah. and I will yeah. say like potentially the whole, like I'm my career, like goals, like whatever, like is a front for the fact that like, I'm just scared to like be open and be ready for a relationship. Damn, this got real, real, y'all are good at what you do. Okay. But yeah, I agree. I think that there, there could be a degree of that. Okay, Serena, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that. We are supported by Hoppe Toys. Hoppe Toys are one of the world's largest producers of toys made from sustainable materials like bamboo. And don't be like us. It's not hape toys. <laughs> Our first read, we said hape. It was brutal. Then I said, Alex, let's check the pronunciation. And it's Hape, which was, makes a lot more sense, actually. You know what? They're a great company, and they are so worthy of the respect of us pronouncing the name properly. All of Hape's toys are designed creatively and are eco-friendly. They meet and exceed the strictest international standards for quality and safety made from products like bamboo, recycled cardboard, organic inks, and water-based colors. These are the good toys, in other oh, words. Yeah. This isn't the crap that your aunt buys for your daughter, and then you just got to act like you like it and throw it out. This is the stuff you keep forever. Yeah, you're not hiding this in the closet, and it's a brand that you can feel good about. They launched We Care, We Share, which is a global charity program that helps kids in need and have built three schools to offer kids access to education. And as the founder of Hoppe says, children do not play to learn. They learn because they play. I wish I came up with that. That's a good one. (laughs) It is a good one. But we are also supported by... Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a Toronto-based brand that makes premium, organic, and ethically made sustainable kids' and babies' clothing. They use GOTS-certified organic cotton and low-impact and non-toxic dyes. And I know this is just clothing for kids, but this is high-end fashion. Oh, it is high-end fashion, and it's, you know, the best basics, timeless pieces for your wardrobe. And if you have more than one kid, you know they're going to get handed down to the next. It doesn't matter, girl, boy, everything's pretty gender-neutral, and the quality is just so high. It is. In fact, there is a dress Lucy has. It's like that pink, purpley color dress. She wears it in the day and it's now her pajamas. (laughs) It is her favorite dress. And then it's going to be Betty's 
favorite dress too, probably. Oh, what if it was in my size, it would be my favorite dress. Because Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. Use the promo code thisfamilytree15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, that's minimiosh.com, M-I-N-I-M-I-O-C-H-E, or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And you get 15% off? You get 15% off if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15 at checkout. So I, I know you've been going to therapy like from a young age as well, and that because when you think of especially talking to people who are you know generations older than us they think therapy and self-confidence are mutually exclusive they can't exist in the same because if you're confident you don't need a therapist oh my god i like could throw up right now <laughs> it's like but the like, most like insane thing ever no, yeah but no, honestly yeah. that's anybody i know over 45 that's their view on it and how do you find that they're so connected like i really i gotta say there's a lot of shit I don't understand about the world. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why mental health is so stigmatized in this country. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Like, I don't get why, like, like therapy is like, like, uh, like, what the fuck? Like, if you don't feel well, you go to the doctor, but not even so. You go for checkups. Like, yeah. you go, like, to just make sure everything's all good. And I think that the thing about therapy is, like, if I if I can give you any parenting advice, oh, my God, I've been there since I was seven years old. And it really true. And I like I've experienced a lot in my life that I don't even talk about, you know, because it's private. But like the reason I am who I am today is 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 100 percent because of therapy. Like it is like I attribute like therapy. What it does is it everything that we do is connected and everything we do is really connected to our upbringing for those like, you know, first like however many years of our life and and every single child has a traumatic has trauma in their upbringing and people think trauma is like abuse or cheating or whatever they think it's like you know but that's not true it could literally be so simple like your dad is busy at work Mm -hmm. and he can only hang out with you on the weekend whatever that might be that's a and so you will your whole life react like you will like reenact that trauma with a a spouse or a relationship or whatever to like try to redo it, you know, in a way that you can control or whether you're you're with your friends, like everything you do is so connected to who you were when you were a kid. And so that's why I'm like, why wouldn't you want to know yourself? Why wouldn't you want to know? Why is it that I slam the door with my friends when I get upset? Like where, where did I learn that behavior? Oh, I learned it from X. Like it it was a very clear connection. And why do I act angry instead of just admitting that I'm anxious? Why? It's like everything we do. And why wouldn't you want Mm -hmm. to be the best version of yourself? And so of course it's tied to confidence because so much of my insecurity wasn't because a kid called me fat in middle school. It was actually like much deeper than that. And it was within family. That's what it really came from. And then I realized like so many of the relationships, guys, like were just mirrors. It was like, I was like, I'm dating X. Like I'm literally dating someone in my family right now, but I would never have been able to make that connection on my own. And so I've actually done an amazing job where I've gotten my mom in, back in therapy, my old boss, my best friend, roommate. I got someone that I was dating to go. Like, I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I'm like, go. And every time I do a confidence coaching session, I, the first thing I ask is like, are you in therapy? Because I don't claim to, do not claim to do that. I, I, I just claim to give you steps to like, push you forward. But in order to be pushed forward, you have to understand your past, right? Yeah. Are, and are you making a percentage from these therapists? 
Oh no, but I better talk to charging. I always say that. I always say that. I'm just like, you should, I should get a free session. But I, at the end of the day, people should be paid what they're worth. So it's fine. I'm so happy to yeah. do it. But I've been told that like, it's the same thing with, you know, that extreme passion for like fairness. It's like, I have this like weird, I just feel this like weight where I have to shake people. I'm like, you could be better. Like you could like, like, I want this for you. Like, I want you to be the best version. Like, I feel that like so deeply, like, and it's nothing to do with like, and that's how I know it's like the therapy, like the clients coaching, like I could like have a whole video done and maybe I'll do it one day of like all my clients telling me how amazing it is and how it changed your life. But like, I don't even need to do that. Like, I don't need people to know. I just want to help and make it happen because it's like, life is so precious. And like, it just breaks my heart that people are like, they hate themselves and they can't even look at themselves in the mirror. Like that just is just so, so, so sad. And so it's like, you know, and even back to like the race conversation, it's like, you can't, I can't control. I can do my best to contribute, but it's like, I always tell my clients, like, what can we control? What is something that you can control? And I think that that, you know, is really important. Mm -hmm. So, Do you ever reach a a point? Cause I've tried therapy and I found it just, at least with this therapist, it wasn't for me. And I'm told you have to go through a bunch to actually find the one you like. But do you I can ever? Give you mine if you want. <laughs> sure. Yeah. If the price is right. No, seriously. I will. <laughs> I'll take it. But do you ever reach a point where it's like, dust your hands off and say, I'm done. I, I know who I am. I've got the tools. No more money to the therapist. Okay. So great question. And by the way, actually, I'm going to give you her number because I bet you she'll change your fucking life. I think hundred percent it's about finding the right person. And I think that that's tough. I think that I've been through different therapists throughout my whole life, started going when I was, I think seven. So yeah, I've had about like four or five and sometimes it's in waves and some, and that's why it's important to find someone like my therapist right now where I don't have to call her for three months. And then I call her, I'm like, let's do a session. I absolutely think like, you would be surprised. Like, it's like you, like, maybe I'll have this like gut. And I think gut is something that we haven't talked about yet, but your gut, that feeling you have, you gotta listen to that gut. Cause that is your one like North star, right? It's the one thing that hasn't been like, nothing's been indoctrinated about the gut. Like there's no like, you know, narrative that it's just that feeling. So I ride with that a lot, but sometimes I have a gut feeling, okay, like I want to call my therapist and I'm like, I don't even know. And then it just like spills out or like, I just one thing and then it just like trickles. So I think like, no work always has to be done. You can always better yourself. You're living life. Like whether, you know, you're in your career or you have a, a parent that's sick or like mm-hmm. just an old parent, or you are a new parent, like yeah, there's so many things you can talk about, you know, and there's so many ways that you can handle a situation better. And mm-hmm. usually it's funny. Like you'll realize that like, there's a lot of relationships in your life that mirror each other. And it's like, why, why do I pick friends that all do this to me or make me feel small or whatever, you know, or why do I always get so upset that my boss is going to react like this, even though I already know that she is like, why can't I like, I, you know, that was something that someone close to me, like they kept talking about, like my boss, I'm I'm like, okay, your boss isn't going to change. What can you do? What can you be in control over? Go to therapy and find a way that you can find a way to control your feeling and your reaction. Because if not, you're going to spend your whole life talking about your boss, right? That person did. They fucking nailed it. So I think it's an ongoing thing. And I think that it's very sad because, and this is why like it angers me and excites me and I'm very passionate it's because it's like, there's this betrayal that you have to have an issue, a pertinent one, that it's like, you, it's mandatory, that it's not fun. Like, the word therapy, it's like, it's like massage therapy. It's a fucking mental massage. You should feel good leaving it. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you probably won't because you're, you're going through your traumas, but eventually 
it feels good. It feels like you have a handle on things and you're opening your eyes to something. Mm -hmm. So what at seven years old, though, like, how do you even know therapy exists? I wouldn't even have known what that was until I was like, maybe 13 or 14. I would assume your parents probably put you in. right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did. I was, you know, classic, like the weight of the world thing. Like I, you know, was in school and everyone was asked to, you know, draw a picture of something they remembered from the year before. And people were like their Hampton's house and like their dog. And like, I literally drew like the Twin Towers, like thought like people dying, like flames. Like I, and they were like, what's going on here? And it's like, again, like I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. And that's something my therapist said. That's a direct line from Sky. I love her. Wonder where she is now. <laughs> but you know, so, but I I remember like I I remember like I it was a lot of toys and stuff and like games and I it, you know you're not aware mm-hmm. that you're in therapy, but it's like here's someone that you can talk to and and they're very perceptive and and it's evolved a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Um so I want to just pivot and go to Let's Fucking Date because this is Netflix's sorry not Netflix IGTV's first reality Netflix. show one day it could be on no, netflix shit. i yeah. know no and no, i was just curious how did you come up with this because it's it's so simple and it's so genius yeah no it really was me sitting in my apartment and i was just like you know everyone was going live on instagram during quarantine mm-hmm. during lockdown and like i was just like i had so much experience doing live content at the previous company i worked at so like i was on their te- live team for like two years so i was in front of the camera behind the camera yeah. i understand like the cadence and the rhythm of live and I'm very fearless. I just like, I love it. I think it's funny that like, it's just like anything fucking goes and like, you'll feel that awkwardness and there's like weird moments and like, it's just, it's fun. And so I just started doing it and I just was like, let's just do, do some dates. And then it just really turned in. And it's funny that you mentioned the Netflix thing because after season one ended, it was so successful. And so many people asked me like, are you going to sell the show? And the reason I didn't was because one, I love the live capability, love the comments. Like the audience is oh, like the yeah. show. They are literally like they play God. And then, you know, another reason was like I wanted full creative control of the show. Mm. I wanted to be the one hiring people. I wanted to decide the marketing. And and but because people asked me that, I was like, huh. I want to prove that you can have a full-blown TV show that feels high production value, that feels mm. really real on Instagram. No one's done it. Let's do it. We spent all day on Instagram. Why don't we have a show there that we actually want to tune into and that feels real? And so that was the intention with season two. So I like that you said that because check. Yeah. Well, are are there any limits? Because I think about like first dates and things and I don't know if I have many limits when it comes to that. I know I didn't on our first date, but like, do you have any things that you wouldn't talk about, wouldn't do on these online live dates that tons of people are watching? I actually think that I, there's a lot of things that I, it's the opposite. It's like, there's so many things that I'm willing to dive into fearlessly Mm. versus like, if I was meeting them in person, I probably wouldn't like talk about like their exes or like what sex position, right? It's like, that's where the show comes in. Um, But I think that that has showed like, you know, how confident I am and how women should be. And if like, if a guy says something that they can be like, no, no, wait, what did you say? I don't, I don't really like that. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, that they have control that they are in a position of choosing and like Mm -hmm. dictating, you know, like how things go. Mm -hmm. I think that that's super important. I think the limit is like, I'm not with them. (laughs) You know, I don't, I can't see how they interact within the larger world. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, we can't have sex, but I think that's a good thing because it's all about conversation. Did your popularity really, did you notice a huge spike since quarantine and this show? Oh my God. Yes. Because like I quit my job in February and then it was March and I was like doing TikToks in my, you know, like dancing. Like I really didn't know what like my thing 
was going to be. And, and I think that I, I remember just like, I talked to my therapist and I was like really anxious. Cause I was like, I just quit my job. Like I was going to do all these events. Like, cause that's what I was good at. Right. Like mm-hmm. live performing, connecting. And you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so stressed out. And he was like, well, there's two types of people in this world. The ones that when they face crisis, they either look at it dead in the eye and pivot or the ones that just wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of companies, a lot of people that were just like, it'll be, it'll be over. I'm just going to chill. Right. And if they didn't pivot, they were fucked. Mm-hmm. So I'm like one, I was like, great, I'm pivoting. I'll figure it out. And I just like kind of threw a lot of things out. But I remember I was like, I felt like there was this, and I still feel this way a little bit, but especially then, like I was on this like ticking time bomb because I was like, I have everyone's attention on me. Everyone's at home. I don't know when this is going to end gotta put out content like this is the time you know so yeah like I fucking soared I mean I like it's like it just it's night and day and I'm like it's amazing but it's like I also really found my niche by the way if you would have told me last year that I was gonna like get my big start having a dating show on Instagram live like during a gold minute I literally been like I think it's time for some therapy like let's talk this let's unpack this right like I was like what the fuck but it totally makes sense given like you know the trajectory of my career and my life yeah Oh, sorry. I had yeah. the question. It flew out of my mind. It That's was okay. a good question too. That's all right. You well, go. ask when it comes back. But I'm just curious because tonight's a date night, you know, big night. You're going live, not just on date, but you are like attending your date with 10,000 other people who are viewing. What do you do for prep? Like you don't have to shave your vagina because you're not seeing them in person. So I'm uh-huh. just curious. Like, uh-huh. what are you doing? You're going to put on perfume. I'm saving my nice perfume. I'm wearing a nursing bra right now. Like there are some benefits to online dating. Well, I don't know if you've seen the past episodes, but I wore a fucking like ball gown last right, week. It's amazing. So, like, I don't really, right? Because I was like, well, I wouldn't wear this on a real date, so I can just wear it in my home. Um, I think prep is like, I actually have like hair and makeup coming in 15 minutes. I start really early because oh, wow. the light goes down and we need to get photos, obviously. Um, I really just do hair and makeup uh, and I hang out with my team. Really, the only prep is like really like I need an hour to myself. I set up my little like ring light. It's all like super like, it's like, it's a, it's so funny. I have my wine. And I really just like, it's really like the first like 15 minutes leading up to it that I feel a little like, ah, like we just like get this over it. The second I'm live, I'm there and I'm in my world and it's great. Uh, but yeah, the prep has been, the prep during quarantine when I started the show was like a joke. Like I, I remember one episode, I like wore a cute top and then like I turned the camera down and I was like, I was in sweatpants. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was great. like it's like shoulders up. It's amazing. But um, I think like, because, you know, this season, I really wanted to, to feel like a real show we put a little money behind the way I, I look. Mm. Speaking of money, that's what I wanted to ask you about. You you live in New York City, correct? And uh, in the YouTube video I was watching, it was saying that you pay $5,000 a month for rent. And I almost went to the washroom in my pants <laughs> just hearing that. Do you feel like during this pandemic, you're almost just wasting money living in such an expensive city? And you are like, you know, you're making quite a bit, I would assume, with your popularity being so high. But a lot of it's going I mean, to rent. By the way, that number is split in half because of my roommate. So it's not just me. You know, so high, I know. So it's so interesting that you asked this because so many people left. So many people left New York. I've been here since March. Like I've been here since the beginning. I've, I mean, I've been here my, since I was born. Like this is my city. I think that, you know, it's funny you mentioned like this weekend is the first weekend I'm really like taking off. Like I'm going um, to long, like to a really like spa retreat, like Hamptons, like nature. Like I realized it was taking a toll on my mental health, but it's like, I think anyone who wasn't born and raised here would be like, I- I've seen them. They've all left. They've gone to Florida. They've gone, they literally are out. Like they, it's like when you were born and raised here, this is all, you know. And like, 
I'm so lucky. I live in a beautiful apartment with my roommate and like there's space. We have two bathrooms. Like there's enough. My team is here. Like, it's not like, I think that I'm in a very fortunate place, but like my parents are here, like they're uptown and like, I, I, I love the energy here. Like that is what I feed off of. I feel like, you know, I was thinking about moving to LA last year before all of this. And like, I just didn't, it wasn't fast enough for me. Like I'm moving at a very fast pace. I like getting 50, things done in a day. And I don't know. I, I just can never leave this city. Like, is it ridiculously expensive? Absolutely. It's absolutely horrific. It's a shoebox. I hate it. But like you're paying for living in the best city in the world. And I know you don't cook. So how much is your Uber Eats bill per month? A big thing of me about me is like, I write my goals down. So in 2019, I was like, I'm going to quit. And I write them like, I'm going to do this. I am this. Like you write them out. Like it's the narrative of your life. So I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm going to start freelancing. I'm going to create a video, a popular video series. And I wrote like all these things. And then in quarantine, and I obviously hit all of them for 2019. Then in quarantine, I wrote another one. And then I have like life goals. I think it's everything. You write exactly what you want and nothing is too realistic. So it's like, if you want a fucking house in the Hamptons, if you want, you know, to be on the cover of Vogue, uh, it'll, it's going to happen. So one of those things was I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be a better cook. And, and then I like laughed. Cause like a month later I was like, ha, well, I guess this doesn't always work. And now <laughs> but it does. It did. It wow. worked. It, it just didn't. You. And that's why it's so important to not place a time crunch. Like a, you know, who knows Vogue might have when I'm 90, but it's going to fucking happen. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent work. So just do it. You can manifest anything you want. If you put out positive energy, but the cooking thing, I got an air fryer and I learned about Trader Joe's and those two things. Like I I'm, I'm, I can make salmon. Like I can do it. Like it's, it's great. So, have, have, so has, has Uber eats been cut out of your Yeah, life? For the most part, it's like, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to yeah. eat, like I'll go out to a restaurant now oh, Okay. and yes, I'm cutting down. I cut down my spending a lot cause I have to pay people. But like an air fryer is the best invention known to mankind. I'm like gonna it's look like, that up. I know. You don't I'm know a what an air cook. No, I, I, my mind is blown. It's literally a microwave that's just like an oven, but like it air fries the food oh. in a way that's crispy. So you can put like a frozen piece of salmon in there, and it will cook like it's fresh. Like that it's sounds nuts. amazing. But everything in there, broccoli, salmon. You can put like just like fruit and like make. Uh, I can't. Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I had a question about intimacy. So you're dating on this show quite a bit. Do the lights ever shut off and the show shuts down? And have you been intimate with any of the people you've dated? And I mean, in any way, like, have you had maybe a sneaky, safe COVID meeting or a, a yeah, face? You guys are good. <laughs> you guys are asking the hard hitters. Or uh, a FaceTime yeah, maybe where that's not being recorded. After season one, there was one of them that I went on a date with in real life. And this is why I think virtual dating is so amazing as like the first date, because when you meet them in real life, like you're already comfortable, like yeah. you've already got, like you already like, I feel like you know each other and like you're kind of screening them, right? Because if you don't have a connection on FaceTime, you won't have a connection in mm -hmm. real life. And I think that's very important and it saves you a lot of time, money, energy, COVID, whatever. We met and like, it was great. I felt like it was a friendship. I didn't feel like it was like, you know, a real, like I didn't really yeah. feel that chemistry, but it was good. I mean, and I, you know, it's, it's hard to have intimacy here now. It's like, it's difficult, like COVID and, you know, I'm not because of the show. I'm not exactly like dating outside the show. I'm trying to just mm -hmm. keep it, you know, cause it's, 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 it's hard work. So, um, yeah, it's tough, but it's like, you know, like, I don't know. There's just like, the, I think that all of us crave intimacy in different ways. And I think like physical intimacy, of course, like I miss that, but like, I don't know. I feel fulfilled from the other relationships in my life and my vibrator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
people I find these days, they are more disposable. Like, for yeah. instance, 10 years ago, I might, if I didn't have a girlfriend or break up with a girlfriend, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to four parties this year. If all the stars don't align, yeah, I'm going to be single for a year or two. But now with Tinder and the advent of all these dating apps, seems like not as big of a deal if a connection doesn't work out with someone. Because like, oh, well, yeah. I, this person's an eight out of 10, the next yeah. might be a nine. Do you find that's helpful or maybe stopping you from cultivating a relationship that could be potentially very good if you have an, a date that's maybe not a 10 out of 10 right off the bat? No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's so much choice mm -hmm. and we are very quick to write people off. And that's why I'm like, you know, like, don't judge a guy just based off of the dating app and his profile. Cause like straight men aren't exactly the best at taking photos of themselves. <laughs> Fine. Forget about other things. So it's like, that's why I say like match with a lot of people, even people you're like unsure about FaceTime with them for 15 minutes. And then you decide from there. But I agree. I think it's way too much. And I, it's way too much. And like, I'm so afraid of settling, but I'm like, is it to a point that like, like, what is a settle? You know, like, what is like, what is, what does that even mean? So I, 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 I think that there's a lot. There's a lot of amazing things about the apps, which is like you can connect with so many people that you wouldn't have. But of course, that there's a danger to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I actually, uh, it's funny, I, for a year, I went on Tinder and went on like a hundred dates. And then I met her cousin on Tinder and I matched with Alex, who had never been on Tinder. So the one relationship that actually worked, worked out, out was the person not on Tinder. So yeah. But Tinder did bring us together. It did in a weird way. And I know you're a Bumble person, Serena, and I know you've got a big date tonight in your makeup and hair is probably here. So we're going to yeah. let you go. But where can people find you, find Let's Fucking Date and stay in tune with yeah. everything? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Serena Kerrigan and Let's Fucking Date is on Instagram. All the episodes, past episodes are posted on IGTV. It's live um, on my account uh, every Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern. Tonight is a separate thing because of the debate. So we had to like move things. Mm -hmm. um, but every Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern, I go into live dates and then I have an after show where I invite my fans, followers, people to come and weigh in on it. So it's absolutely something you have to experience live because it's so fun. Yeah. All it. right. Well, send email me that therapist number. I hope you have a great date tonight. Yeah, I hope absolutely. you don't fall in love, but it's still a great date because I want the <laughs> show to connection. go forever. There mm -hmm. You might jinx me. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much. And what a lovely podcast. It was great. I had such a good time. Oh, yeah. really Likewise. Nice. Thank you so much. Take care, Serena. All right, bye. Bye-bye. What did you think of that? Oh, I loved it. I think she was so much fun. I thought you two got along so well. And I think that you guys, aside from the relationship thing that you mentioned earlier uh i think that you guys are very much like on the same plane for a lot of that conversation do you think we would connect on a date serena and i no why not you both have very strong personalities and i i do not i don't know if there's room enough for both of you yeah oh i'm a listener she's a talker i'm an introvert she's an extrovert it yeah, would you, work you got to be the one making jokes making the laughs and everything I didn't find her overly jokey. No, but it's. I just think that you'd be trying to get the jokes in and then. See, I, I feel like you don't truly understand me. I, <laughs> I do. I feel this way. I My type of joking style isn't the domineering type. No. I'm a punch-in person, meaning I wait to take a breath. When, I wait for the breath, rather, when someone's talking or um, holding court. And then I pop in with a little comment and then I leave. Then I pop in, then I leave. That's my conversational style. So I like it when somebody's really dominant, like my friend Mike Veerman. 
Yeah, or I don't Max think Kerman. I don't think that you guys would connect. Do you think differently? No, I felt like we would connect. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't think so, but I I think so as friends, but not romantically. Well, that's all I'm talking about. Like, I, what am I going to do? Make a prediction <laughs> with my wife that we would definitely com- connect romantically? That's not what it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. And and I think, too, when Serena is on these dates, yeah, the gimmick is she's dating. But I think she could be equally as fun if it was with women who she didn't oh, have any. I'd, I'd want to go on a date with Serena. Yeah, because it is just about mm-hmm. connections. And I think she kind of yeah. made that somewhat clear. No, I think she was fantastic and uh, really got me thinking about, you know, what I tell myself when I look in the mirror every day and how I can be better to myself because I'm definitely not all the time. So I want to start bringing more of that into my life. Yeah, I want you to also. Thank you. But let's go to Wells Adams. Okay, we got to redeem ourselves here. Let's say some good things about Wells. I love Wells. Wells is the best. No, but seriously. No, I, I'm that- being serious. I'm being serious. I am so shocked that he reached out to us again to come back on the pod and that he was so adamant about it. And like he is the best for that. Who, that, who would do that? We wouldn't do that. Well, we probably would. But like... Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just a true professional to do that uh, because we were being not so, uh, you know, he, someone gave us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We blew it. We made it seem like someone else was making us feel uncomfortable, which really wasn't the case. We were just being awkward the first time around. And then when we listened to it, admittedly, the exactly. first interview exactly. was was fine. It's just the audio quality was bad. But Wells is back, baby. And this time is better than ever. And it, it is tricky interviewing someone the second time, especially if it's weeks apart. Oh, I Because it's like, how do you find a way to talk again, uh, to talk about different things, but you still kind of want to touch on the same things. But I, I thought Wells is a, a good conversationalist and it was effortless. Mm-hmm. No, he's the best. Let's get to it. Now, let's get to that interview with Wells Adams. But first. We are supported by Routine. Deodorant is so tricky. The chemical kinds are questionable and natural deodorants never work. Like Shane, I didn't wear one today and how did I smell? You smelled like a skunk. Oh, I smelled so skunky. But Routine's effective base is made with antimicrobial ingredients and cool stuff like dietary magnesium. And and Routine is all natural, by the way. I know we said natural doesn't usually work or ever work, but it does in this case. Oh, it's insane. And the things like the antimicrobial ingredients in the dietary magnesium relaxes your armpits from the burden of stress sweats or postpartum sweats or running around the house like a chicken with your head chopped off sweats. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Best deodorant I've ever used. He's not kidding. It's the best we have both ever used. So get in touch with yourself and what works with your body with one of Routine's 16 unique scent blends in either a refillable glass jar like we use or a stick at routinecream.com. That's routinecream.com. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And what's the kind we use? Lucy in the Sky? We use Lucy in the Sky. I've heard amazing things about Like a Boss and Sweet Jane. Yeah, I, I couldn't take a risk and go for another one. No, I love it so, so much. So yeah, Lucy in the Sky is the one. If uh, I'll give you your money back if you don't like it. <laughs> That's not legally binding. But we are also supported by... Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs make the best nursing and everyday wear bras 
that you can find. I'm glad you said it because if I did, no one would believe me. They wouldn't, but they should because I sing the praises of Bravado Designs now like every day for you the past two years. You won't shut up about it. <laughs> no, it's true. He's not kidding. I tell all my friends about it and I have since I had my first daughter. In fact, when I finished nursing, even though I didn't need the clips anymore, I still wore my nursing bra every day because nothing was more comfortable. And you must be very influential because... Half the block, all of our neighbors are wearing Bravado Designs bras now. Oh, it's true. 70 years old, 60 years old, nursing mothers like me, everybody's in them. But not only do they have nursing bras, Bravado Designs just came out with their everyday collection, which have no clips, are not for nursing mothers, and have the same amazing comfort for your boobies. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you could head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection, as well as the nursing bras at ca.bravadodesigns.com. And regardless of which site you use, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 to get 20% off. Again, that is ca.bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. Wow, that's pretty good. Oh, it's amazing. But do you know what else is pretty good and amazing? This interview with Wells Adams. So let's get to that right now. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us again, Wells. The first time we had you on kind of went to hell. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was a bad feeling. Uh, throughout the whole time, I, I could hear the audio popping. I had anxiety. I work in television, as I think you know. And afterwards, Alex actually, she burst into tears. It was really weird. And I was like, oh, it was the audio that bad. And for some reason... <laughs> Alex just felt like the interview went so I thought I, I thought I fucked up in some way. I thought I made you feel uncomfortable. I was breastfeeding. There were so many things on my mind. I'm like, I, I didn't even know the audio was that bad because I'm actually quite deaf. So when Shane then told me that, I was like in a hole. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we were very bummed. Uh, then we had an interview set up with uh, Blake Horstman. So he stands us up. He just doesn't show up. We reminded his manager several times. <laughs> he doesn't show up. So we're like, what the fuck is going on? We're cursed here. Then right after we're done the interview with Blake and we get a message from you saying, hey, I feel terrible about the audio. It sounds like shit. Do you want to do it again? And it was like the perfect timing for how, how bad we were feeling just about <laughs> our luck with the podcast. And we just want to thank you so much. But I, I want to ask you, do you normally listen to podcasts or watch tape of yourself or do you watch the bachelor afterwards is that common for you to do okay hold on there's a lot to unpack here let me just you know, <laughs> let me get through a lot of this number one i listened back i did listen back and uh one i felt bad because you said that like there was bad energy from me or like bad mojo and you thought that the show and i didn't I listened back to it and I was like, oh, I think it's, I think I was funny and I answered your questions the way that you are I great. Would normally no, answer I thought, the questions I thought so I felt too. <laughs> horrible that you got like a bad, cause that's not, my thing is that like, I feel like I remember my, my boss, my, one of my first radio bosses ever was like, um, we were trying out co-hosts and he was like, the great thing about you, Wells, is that you play well with everybody. And so it doesn't really matter who the fuck we get in here for your co-host. And then I heard that and I was like, oh, I don't play well with, with everybody anymore. This makes me feel terrible. So one, I was like, I need to redo this interview just because someone <laughs> thinks that I'm an asshole from the interview. Number two, like I have this crazy setup in my house. Like I am all about 
high fidelity audio recording. Like it's like my nerd thing. And when I heard that, I was like, no, let's just redo this whole thing. Take this audio and then just shove it into the thing that you put out this last week. And let's just forget that that ever happened because I could, that like just bugged the hell out of me. And then last, lastly, yes, I listen back to my shit because one, (laughs) there's all, you can always learn something from an interview. One, as someone who interviews people for a living, I like to hear how other people do their job and like little things that I can learn from them. And two, I saw like you guys put it on Instagram where it just sounded bad. And I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. Um, And then when I went to it, I heard like your preamble of like, Wells is an asshole. I hated the way that that interview went. I cried afterwards. (laughs) Those are direct quotes. I got to listen to this. And I think I got through like five minutes of it before I I was going to CVS to get Sarah's birth control. And I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. And I like instant messaged you guys being like, we need to redo this. This is there's so many things that went bad that we have to fix. So I am sorry that I that you got a like a bad read or a bad vibe. I don't know if I was hung over that day. I can't remember. But there was no, a no. baby on a titty. And you got to understand yeah. that like, <laughs> as, and I'm totally for that and like in public and stuff. But like, you, you know, like I just hadn't been involved in an interview when a boob was out. I just hadn't done it. And so I think that's where I'm, that's where I was. My head was a little bit off. I don't know. Well, I think, too, you are a really good guy when you're talking. You're so animated. Your voice is always so friendly. But sometimes when you're listening, (laughs) you have what I have, which is a resting face that isn't always super reassuring. And you have a mixing board there. You've got stuff going on. But I think when you weren't speaking and we maybe were asking a question, sometimes you'd itch your head and we're like, oh, he thinks we're idiots, but he's going to act like be be kind to us. I need I need to interject here because Mm -hmm. I am incredibly uh, I pick that stuff out with Shane. I pick him apart for that kind of shit all Mm -hmm. the time. Like, look at me happier and like smile when you look at me and you're not talking. So that is on me, Wells. You are not an asshole, I don't think. Well, and I listened (laughs) back and I said, it seemed like he was great. I know, I know. I think he got the baby on the titty got in my head. So she's not on the titty today. She's just sleeping right here. So we're trying <laughs> we're trying to live and learn. I also think it's because like my my camera for you guys is up here, but but I'm like watching you guys down here and so I'm focusing on your guys' faces and so like I think if I was like like that, I think it would <laughs> uh, it would feel differently, but I'm also just the gears in my head are always going like I'm always looking for the callback joke. And so like when I'm listening to you guys, I'm like, OK, where where can I like get in a punchline here? So I think but I'm sorry, I will. I'll smile. I'll smile more. No, no. Now, now we kind of get your vibe. And I don't think if you were really a bad guy, you would have come oh back God. to us and given us another chance. I feel awful now. I, I am wondering, though, do do you believe in second chances and do do people give them to you often? Like if you were to screw up a date, do you tend to get another chance and do you tend to give second chances to people? I would say I do not tend to give second chances to people. I I'm such like the guy of like, if you, if you like wrong me, I'm like, we're done. I don't, and I don't know why it's a weird character trait that I kind of, I'm happy I have because it's very easy for me to be like, I'm done with that that person or like those people mm-hmm. if I feel like they're just like not great people. Weirdly, I do believe like everyone needs a second chance, you know, and the you know, but I do think it's true. Like you never 
you know, you never get a second opportunity to make a first impression. Like that's a very, very big thing. And, and when I come to work, wherever it is, I always try to make sure that like everyone gets a good vibe from me. It's so funny because, you know, my father can be really, really tough to deal with. Like he's that guy who can be like an asshole to waiters and stuff. And I, I hate that. Like also as someone who was a waiter, oh, yeah. like I'm always like, they're going to spit in your food and then they're going to spit in my food mm -hmm. because because I'm near you. Like by so proxy, it. I'm getting saliva in my food because you are being a jerk. And it's like one of those things that like I've had like a lot of conversations with him about. But now that like I'm I'm a visible person and I'm like more well known, I really want to make sure that like everyone's first encounter with me is a positive one because like they're you know, like they may have never come across me again. And I would hate that, like their story about me would be like, he was such an asshole, you know? And it was funny because we were at dinner. I went and hung out with my dad and my brother the other day. And like, it was one of those things where I think it was, there was a confusion where like, who was supposed to take our table? So like, no one ended up coming and greeting us and taking our order for like 45 minutes. And my dad was like visibly upset. And he, you know, kind of got, like upset at the waiter who finally came over, which like he had mm -hmm. a leg to stand on in that situation. But I mm -hmm. had to be like, hey, man, you can't be mean. One, because I don't want to get f spit in my food. Like, I don't want that. You can't yeah. be mean just right off the bat. And then two, like you have to remember that like once they recognize me, now they have a story about me. And like the last thing that right. like you want, especially dad, is, there, is that there'd be this perception of Wells being an asshole you know, because because my dad was an asshole, if that makes any sense. Right. And when I explained it to him like 100%. that, he was like, yeah, that makes sense. I need to be better. And I was like, yes, you do. Also, because we just don't want to get spit in our food mm -hmm. ever. Well, I was thinking about this when Blake stood us up. I email him. I'm like, Blake, you know, like uh, I, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt, like uh, because something could happen, an emergency. And I know you wouldn't stand us up on purpose. And he was like, oh, my God, all caps, a million emojis. I'm so sorry. I'm going to give you the best podcast ever later. And I was like, is this the real Blake or is this public perception PR Blake? Because, you know, he's he's been through the ringer a little bit. And I'm wondering, in your in your opinion, what do you think the real Blake is like is he like is he this really nice guy who's just misunderstood or is he actually just a a, a phony okay first of all this makes me <laughs> laugh so hard because Blake has been on like the public apology tour for the past year <laughs> yeah. motherfucker can't get out of his own way which is just hilarious I will say this I think that Blake is a really really nice guy unfortunately Blake fell into the thing that a lot of like bachelor people fall into which is when you get like a couple seconds of fame or like a little taste of notoriety, it goes straight, it goes straight to your head and you become the thing that like everyone just assumes you are like. And I think right. that that's that's the problem is that when you when you become the thing that everyone hates, that's horrible, like that's a horrible thing and that happened to him, man, like he was going out like every girl wanted to sleep with him. I'm sure he was like wheeling and dealing with the ladies. Then he went to paradise and it all oh, like blew up in his face. Yeah. And he had to have like that come, come to Jesus moment. I remember him sitting at the bar with me. He was like, what should I do? What should I do? And I was like, well, you, you know, unfortunately the genie's out of the bottle now. Like everyone kind of knows what you did. You got to kind of now own your 
I don't know if I can cuss in this, but I've already cussed a little bit, but like yeah, you yeah, got to yeah, own yeah. like a little bit of your fuckboyness. You got to kind of own up to it because yeah. you did it, you know? And I remember being like the thing that like people don't understand about the re- the paradise thing or just bachelor in general or just any reality TV and also just life honesty and the truth always plays the truth always plays in comedy. Like if you can be like self-deprecating about like who you are and like your shortcomings, that shit's funny and it's always going to play. You're always going to look good if you can make fun of yourself. And if you come to like paradise and you've done a bunch of bad stuff, if you go in there and being like, dude, I was, I I remember being like, you should have walked down and been like, I've been a fuck boy. I hooked up with everybody. I got drunk. I thought I was the king of the world. And look at me, I'm an asshole. And you know what? I'm so sorry. And like, you guys can throw rocks at me if you want and kick me out of here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like if he had done that, everyone would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's fine. I don't care, you know? But because yeah. he didn't own up to it, it ended up looking bad. But I will say this, like, and I know Blake very, very well. He comes from, like, a really good place. He's a, such a sweet guy. He just got caught up in it. And you know what? Like, when it was happening to him and he was getting beaten down, there was a little bit of me that was like, this is good for you. Like, you, you needed mm-hmm. this. You needed to have a little like come back down to earth moment. And I want you, and I remember, you know, after we finished filming and I hung out with him in Denver, I was like, I want you to come back to paradise. Cause one, like that shows all about like redemption stories, right? Like of all like the, the, the villains that go there, they end up looking good in paradise. Cause there's no character. Arc yeah. Like, like Nick, Jordan, Jordan. Yeah. 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 Except he got into a fight this last time, but like, yeah, Jordan. It was funny. That was a winning fight though. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like. Won our hearts over. Yeah. But I was like, I want you to come back because, because you look bad and now you have an opportunity to look good again. And you ha- learned a big life lesson. And that is like, don't be the thing that everyone just assumes you are, you know, cause you're not that. And so if we ever do do paradise again, do do, uh, I, do hope that he comes back. <laughs> How much do the producers use you uh, as a liaison to like, or, or middleman to get to other people to kind of coerce them to come? To come to the show? Yeah. Like, hey, Wells, if you, if you wouldn't mind suggesting to X, Y, and Z to come or. Uh, none. I'm, I am kept, kept like separate from production even so much so that there's been times when production have been like hey man can you pump the brakes a little bit like i remember i remember because i my my interest is out for the people on the show because i'm if i'm supposed to be the guy giving advice then everyone needs to believe that my advice is good if they Mm -hmm. if they think that i am a spy effectively for producers then all credibility goes out the window so i have to i have to be giving good advice and and so I, I remember when Dean came back this last season for Caitlin, I was like holding court, which I, it's so sad that you never get to see like the things that I do for the most part. Cause it's not the Wells show. It's like everyone else. But like, I'll be like, all right, so <laughs> who here thinks that she should go with Dean? And then, you know, I was like, by way of hands, who thinks? And people raise hands. And I remember being like, what? Like, cause there's so many women who are like, she should go. It's so romantic. And I was like, are we taking crazy pills? She should not go with Dean. Number one, he came in black jeans and a black shirt. It's 7 million degrees. So he's already making bad life decisions. Anyways, so that was number number one. Two, it's fucking Dean. Do not go 
Don't leave with them. You're gonna go live in a van down by the river eating government cheese. Like, don't do it. And I remember producer coming back and being like, "Hey, man, can you pump the brakes on the negative Dean stuff? Because we want her to fall in love, and she really feels uh, strongly about this. Can we not do that?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, okay. So, so sorry, but like, she shouldn't go with him." And they're like, "Regardless, don't do that. You know, like, let her make the decision herself." So you must be shocked that she is with Dean. Though. Yeah, I was going to say it worked out. Oh, I know. And Dean's one of my best. Like, he's like coming to my wedding. Like, he, wow. <laughs> like I love Dean so much. Uh, I just went camping with him. But like, it's Dean. So I had, <laughs> I had to say it, you know, like it's the truth. And actually, they're like so cute and beautiful together. And I was wrong. I was wrong. I'll admit oh, it. Oh, yeah. So do you, do you have many folks from The Bachelor that are going to your wedding? Not as many, like how, how like, not as many as like uh, you would think in terms of like uh, you've seen on screen. There's like a lot of like yeah, yeah. crew that will definitely be there. So it would be Derek, Dean, Nick, any others? Or am I wrong on those predictions? No, that's pretty good. Higgins will be there for sure. Higgins and I become really no, close. No. I don't know. That's going to be a fucking headline though you just got your headline <laughs> right there on us weekly oh uh harrison will definitely be there and then it'll be like a lot of producers that like i'm just really close with because i know spending more time with producers because you know you do tv it's a lot of hurry up and wait and so you're just kind of sitting around like mm -hmm. hanging out with people waiting for them to be like okay go down there and make drinks right so i read that chris offered to officiate did he was that true um, yeah, I think so. But I, I told him I didn't mm -hmm. want him to do that. Not because I don't want him to officiate my wedding, but Chris is now like a really good friend of mine. And like, right. I feel bad making people work your wedding. Like it's such a kind of a bitch move to be like, you can come, but you got to work, you know, <laughs> like all my oh, Nashville pressure. friends who are, are like amazing musicians. Everyone's like, you need to have them be your wedding band. I'm like, no, I want them to have a good time at my wedding. Like, don't put them to work. That's so nice. We forced my brother to work at our wedding. So he was our wedding band. That was probably a shitty move on our part, and I feel bad for it. But before you got on as the new Jorge Wells, and you were actually on Bachelor in Paradise 3, Sarah, you know, knew who you, you were. You were on her radar at that point. Does she ever make comments about that, like your passion with Danielle M? Oh, yeah, or like jealousy. Yeah. yeah. Does she ever bring any of that up? No, and only because, so like there was so much history between Danielle and I before the show. Danielle was like a really close friend of mine before either of us ever went on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. You're from the same town, right? Yeah, we both were in, lived in Nashville. We have the same like crew of friends. It's so weird okay. that like we both, I went on the show first and then, and then she, I remember her coming to me and being like, should I, should I do this? And I was like, yeah, do it. It's so much fun. You know, like, so we have uh, like this like really strong friendship. And then, you know, it was one of those things of, at the time, I mean, we were, both, we were both single. I felt bad. It was a really weird situation. Other than the fact that Danielle's super hot, <clears throat> we all got robbed of that season because of the scandal and the shutdown. And she was going to, like, Africa to go, like, save babies and stuff. Like, she was going to go do, like, the most amazing thing in the world. And, like, no one got to have any... Well, her especially, she didn't get to have any like romance on the show, you know, like there was a little bit of me that was like, you're getting robbed of like this, like really cool experience. And also we've kind of like tiptoed around us kind of like being romantic for years. It just seemed like a, 
like a good way to, for her to like kind of like leave the show. But when we came back, we were like, "Now nah, we're friends." Like that was weird, you know. Um, and so to the to the point of Danielle and Sarah are like really good friends. It's not. Oh, oh, are they? Yeah, like like if she well, no one comes to town anymore because she can't travel. But like back in the day, like when she would come to town, she'd be over here hanging out with us, like drinking beers, and you know, we'd go out to dinner together. If we go to Nashville, we're all hanging out. It's not a weird thing at all. And that's because they're actually cool or because Sarah's playing the card where it's like, keep your enemies closer. Like I've added Shane's old Tinder dates on Instagram and mm -hmm. made friendships. We talk about their pet bunny rabbits and it's mm. become pretty nice. So is it a little bit of that or do you think it's like pure friendship? Yeah, I think it's pure friendship. I also, I mean, I don't, Sarah isn't like nervous about anybody and she shouldn't be because she's, that's the best I'm ever going to do. Let's be let's be hundred percent real with this, okay? So you have a very loose leash, as they would say. There's no restrictions on who you can follow on Instagram, and she trusts you with your phone, and or is that not the case? Yeah, we both have each other's passwords. And do you ever do you ever use like if let's say she goes to the washroom and it's a longer washroom break? Do you ever like be like, all right, I'm gonna just peruse through this a little bit here? No. No, but which, I would you think she's like ever done all it to you? Pinterest of like <laughs> stupid <laughs> stuff we can stuff? get for the house and like stuff for the wedding. Like, I don't want to look through that anyway. <laughs> okay, but men are looked at as dogs, especially like a guy like uh, Blake. Maybe you might not want to trust his phone laying out if you're his girlfriend. You might want to go through it just to see, especially if it's around stagecoach time. For you, do you think Sarah would have gone through your phone ever? No. I mean, she's never had Not a even reason to, but she's more than welcome to. Uh, right. But we also like, we live together, you know, like we live together. Mm -hmm. We were around each other 24 seven. So it's not like I'm going to stagecoach and weird stuff's happening. Mm -hmm. So, so Sarah, better woman than me, not jealous. What about when it comes to you? Because I read that Sarah's celeb crush was Chris Hemsworth and Shane and I were talking about this. How do you not fall in love with a Hemsworth? It's impossible. So Sarah gets cast, hypothetically, in the next Thor movie. How do you feel about that? Yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> okay, so do I get to go to set as well and hang out with Natalie Portman, who also would be in Thor movies? If so... You're busy, man. You're in paradise. Yeah. It's tough. It's terrible time. Conflicting and you're, you're apart from her. There's a huge makeout scene with her and Chris. It's hot. I mean, listen, good on her. I'd make out with Chris if I had the opportunity, you know? He's a beautiful man. So I also, like, it, it's something that I think that you have to come to terms with when you're getting married to someone whose job is to play make-believe. And part mm. of that job is to make people believe that you're romantically, you know, inclined to somebody else. And so, like, it's one of those things where, like, obviously it's not, I don't love it. I don't love to see like her making out with other people. Like she did the wedding, this movie, the wedding year. And yep. she had, it was a rom-com and she had a love interest. And there was a sex scene with um, this guy, Tyler, who I got to know. And he's like the nicest guy in the world. But of course I was like, I don't, I don't really want to watch. I had to watch like cuts <laughs> of it, you know, cause they, I had like give notes and stuff or I didn't have to give notes, but we'd watch cuts of it and be like, what do you think? And all this stuff. And I'd be like, I don't want to watch the sex scene anymore. Can we cut that yeah. part? <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, like I know, I don't know. I, there's no like jealousy in me. And also like, 
Chris is married, so it's it's fine. <laughs> okay, when you're watching a show like The Bachelor, you guys are obviously, you were on the show. She was a fan of the show. I'm assuming you still watch it. Uh, when we watch it, I tend to be saying, mm. oh, she's good. Like I used to say she's hot or I like her, but Alex would get very upset. So yeah, she's she's good. So oh, now yeah, I, she's I, good because you want to pick your favorite on the show. Oh, Tasha, I like her. She's a good one. Well, I just I, you root <laughs> for certain people. But obviously, Sarah ended up with you. And I'm sure at one point she was watching The Bachelor with maybe her significant other at the time was like, oh, I like Wells. So what are the rules when you're watching The Bachelor? Are you allowed to say, <laughs> oh, she's hot. Oh, I'm rooting for her. Or is there jealousy knowing that? You guys are famous and can actually end up with the people that you have these crushes on. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm. I think we're both very honest about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we break down the show the way, the same way that I would assume everyone breaks down the show. You know, it's. But it's different. You liking someone or Sarah, like look, case in point, she ended up with you. If she sees a guy and she's like, "Oh, he's so hot, I love him." Next week, she could be with him. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I, <laughs> She's not going to leave you, but I mean, is there ru- is there rules on like, hey, like cool it with the he- he's cute stuff? No. And it's so funny when we watch it back because I know them and like I hang out with them with everybody. Mm-hmm. I will say like, I just don't understand why they didn't they didn't end up with so and so. They're so they're so fun. They're so cool. and They're so hot. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Like I would say that stuff a lot. But like also, yeah, like Sarah, I mean, Sarah has Sarah thinks Derek's hot. Everyone thinks Derek's hot. He looks like freaking John Krasinski, you know, like, and she'll say like, he's a good looking guy. It doesn't, that doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I understand what you're asking, but the answer is like, no, we, we still break down the show the same way everyone else does. It's like, they're hot, but they're stupid or, you know, like they got big <laughs> boobs or like, you know, like they got to black out that girl's bucks. It's so big. You know, like we do all that kind of stuff <laughs> just the way, same way everyone else does. Right. Uh, and I wanted to ask about your, leather jacket everyone has an outfit that they wear when they think they look their best i noticed (laughs) your leather jacket pops up like everywhere i look i see you in that leather jacket if if you're on even a red carpet maybe sometimes you'll be wearing it is there a special story behind that jacket or is it just like this is my date jacket when i want to look my best well i do think i look good in it i will say that yeah Uh, there was a point actually i still think it's the most expensive piece piece of clothing I own. How much are we talking? I think it was eight hundred dollars. Whoa! And I remember I bought it at Haymakers in Nashville, where I used to get my hair cut. And I put it on, like, went on Instagram, and I was like, "Should I buy this?" And everyone, was, and I was like, "What's expensive?" And then everyone was like, "You need to buy it." So I was like, "All right, let's do it." <laughs> Were you famous at that point? Okay, I'm not famous. Let's just get that right out. <laughs> in front okay there's a big difference between first of all if i would be famous if fame was sexually transmitted but it's not unfortunately right. i am fame uh adjacent or i'm i like to say it's i'm just recognizable like people recognize mm-hmm. me but it's, it's there's a difference between so i think fame is when um you're known for being really really good at something you know like if you're a really good basketball yeah. player you're a famous basketball player if you're a really good actor you're a famous actor. I'm not a really good bartender. I'm not a really good no, advice giver. You, you are a pretty you know? good puppeteer. But, but you might be known for, <laughs> but you could be known for being really, really charismatic and having like maybe an it factor. And I think guys like you and Tyler Cameron might have changed yeah. the 
stigma or perception of reality stars like Tyler, I think he banged Gigi Hadid. Like that's a pretty big deal. So the eyebrow raise might suggest he definitely <laughs> did. Um, but I'm wondering, is the stigma changing on <laughs> on that? No, see, t- Tyler isn't famous either. Tyler, and if what? if fame was sexually transmitted, then yes, he would be. But he is <laughs> fame. He was fame adjacent. He's just really recognizable. Right. He's also very good looking. So maybe yeah. he's maybe he's famous for being really good looking. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that one. I think that's it. All right. But to confirm the jacket is your hot guy, <laughs> I'm trying to impress jacket. So you have to understand there was, it's, it's, I love LA weather because it's always nice out, but I lived in Nashville for a long time. I was a radio, I was a poor radio DJ and all my best friends were musicians. So there was a very big hipster phase for me. I lived in East Nashville. I drove, uh, I have, an old cafe racer, a 1972 uh, CB350. That's like, I was, I had always had a bandana in the back of my pocket. Like I was at a, a music venue every single night. Like I was, I, I played the part of the hipster for a very long time in Nashville. So the leather jacket was just kind of a part of that. So, yeah. And I also think I look good in it. Right. Yeah, you definitely do. And I think it does transcend hipsterism and also maybe you're more high fashion now. But I think it it goes both ways. I wanted to ask about that, your your phase when you were into music. I was watching video of you suggesting uh, like 17 things you need to bring to Bonnaroo. And it's kind of like a di- <laughs> it's kind of like a different Wells than I'm used to seeing. It's a little, you know, uh, less quaffed and, you know, perfectly everything in place i was wondering is there videos like obviously you've had a long career in media is there anything out there you just wish wasn't because obviously you couldn't predict that you would become fame adjacent (laughs) no but there is so much stuff from way back in the day i think that everyone i had to learn how to be good on camera it took a very long time but yeah like I used to work for this dope ass radio station in nashville called lightning 100 it was like independent and it's very cool and it's definitely the musician's radio station. And yeah, we would make all these cool videos. Like it was like a, it was part of my job is I'd make cool videos. A lot of them were, was musicians performing and that's how I got really good at video editing and uh, sound mixing and everything. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's, there is a lot of stuff out there. That's not, it's not great, but like it still is, mm-hmm. It's like what got me here, you know, like you got to be shitty for a while before you get Mm -hmm. good. And not to say that I'm even good now, but yeah, like I, there's a funny interview, I think of me at Hangout Fest interviewing Paul McDonald or they were the Grand Magnolias, but Paul McDonald, who was like on American Idol and did very well. He's like now one of my best friends, but it's like so awkward because I'm nervous and uh, I don't really know (laughs) what to do. And, um, so yeah, there's a lot of like that old stuff, but I like that. So that stuff's so funny to me when I look back. My sideburns are way too long. I'm like an idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so going going from these sideburn phases and things like that, like you've worked so many cool jobs, even the ones that you know had you being a normie like mm-hmm. us and not fame adjacent. Uh, what do you think the highlight is of your career when it, whether it was beforehand or now? That's a good question. I was just really, really proud of myself for just get, honestly, like getting the morning show was a big deal for me. Um, mm-hmm. It validated so much of 
everyone told me what I was doing was a bad idea. Like everyone, like my parents, all my friends had like good jobs and I was like waiting tables and like moonlighting at a radio station. And I was making like 30, not even, I was making like $10 an hour at the radio station. And then I got the the morning show and I still was making like $30,000, no money. Um, but it like validated like all the hard work and like this, de- this degree that I had gotten from the University mm-hmm. of Mississippi. That to that day, to this day, I think is what I'm most proud of. Is so many people were like, "You need to not do this," and I was like, "No, this is cool. I want to do this. This is my thing." And then I was able to like, I don't know, mold it into this weird thing that I have now. Like doing interviews at the Oscars was like a whoa. Like <laughs> where where did I how did I get here thing, you know? Yeah. But it all came from like working my ass off and, and like, and not giving up way back in the day in Nashville at, at lightning. Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Like when you find yourself at these big events, things like that. For sure. Yeah. For a long time, we, we were doing red carpets and stuff and I was just like there to hold Sarah's purse and I was totally fine with that. Like, there's no ego. Like, obviously, I know I have no business being there other than, like, I'm just, I'm just on candy. I remember when, like, when E came around and was like, hey, we want you to do all this this red carpet stuff. I was like, great. That gives me, like, purpose for being at the thing that my fiance is at, you know? And I love that. It was like, I got to go work, babe. But then, we're like, we'll get fucked up in the after part, you know? Like, I didn't feel like such a, a tag along, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, so I, so funny, one of my best friends in the world, uh, he's an amazing musician and he came out here and he's writing syncs for TV shows and for commercials and stuff. And he's doing really, really well. And we got drunk the other day and we were having the conversation of, do you feel like you sold out? Like, did I sell out by like doing this, these reality TV shows and like kind of jumping the line for, for getting to do red carpet stuff and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, and then, and I was like, did you sell out? Because like, you're not, you're no longer like notes, the grindstone, like touring around in, in an Astro van. And like, now you're writing songs for Google and for Apple. And I think it was, a, it was a fun conversation to have because it's like, everyone sells out because you need to make yeah. money. <laughs> you got, yeah. you gotta live. You can't be dirt poor for the rest of your life. I mean, you can, I guess. So I don't know. I think there's a way to sell out and like stay true to yourself, though, and then a way to sell out and like actually be a sellout. Like, but if you, you want ever- a lot of like Shaquille oh, O'Neal, like if you want a lot of money. Strip malls. Yeah. But if that's your goal to make a lot of money, like mm-hmm. I would I would love to have a lot of money. And I, I would feel no shame about that. And I wanted to ask about you being at the point you are at. Like, obviously, I think reality stars, I do feel like people think, oh, they've got a free ride mm-hmm. to fame and fortune. Is it as fun and easy as it looks? Or is there actually a lot more work going on behind the scenes? With Seemingly, with especially with you, who seems to have so much work. Is it harder than it looks to be Wells? No, it's super easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like, okay, so the truth of the matter is with with reality, and this is for anyone that's like either on a reality show or like thinking about going on a reality show. Uh, Harrison said it to me the best. He was like, do not let this define your life. Let it enhance it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really good advice. The truth of the matter is, is that you go and do one of these shows, especially like Bachelor, like you're, you get to be famous for 
a solid like six months. Like everyone freaking recognizes you. Everyone wants to take your picture. You get into, you're selling all this crap on Instagram. You're making good money. But here's the thing, dude, there's another crop of people right behind you that's going to bump you out of the way. You become irrelevant yeah. so quickly. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, is that um, figure out a way to not become irrelevant or be, be totally okay with it, like embrace it, just go back to like your normal life. I think to answer your question, what's hard is that like continuing the forward momentum. For me, that's what was difficult. It was like figuring out like, okay, great. I have this like short little window where I'm, I can be relevant and I can get jobs, but I have to use those opportunities to like get other things. Like the E thing was, was is like a good example. I got, I, how that happened was, is I went on Kathy Lee and Hoda and Kathy Lee like loved me. And she, I, I made everyone, those, those chicks drink in like nine in the morning. And so they were like, do you guys want to drink? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. I want to drink at nine in the morning with Kathy Lee Gifford. And everyone else was like, no. And I was like, bitches, what are you talking about? We're having <laughs> Moscow mules. And so afterwards, Kathy Lee was like, you're so, like, you brought so much energy. You were so much fun. You were funny. Um, and like the, the executive producer of that show then moved over to E and she like remembered me. And when an opportunity came up, she was like, we need to use that guy. So it's like one of those things of going back to like great callback right here, but like you never get a second opportunity to make a first impression. I made a really good first impression on that person. And then it, it became, it became this other really dope thing that happened, you know? And now I'm like super in with all the people on NBC and stuff. Which is awesome. And so, yeah, you just, you really need to like, just this is such a long answer for your question. I'm so sorry, but it's like, <laughs> you just need to be able to take that momentum and then continue it going forward or else mm-hmm. you're going to be forgotten about really quickly. So were you aware of it at that time? Like, were you looking at that opportunity with Kathy Lee as an audition in a sense? Anytime you're on TV, you got to make the most of it. I've always felt yeah. that way. But for me, like, I also really just like, I really like having a good time. I'm and also all about experiences and storytelling. Also, everything's a bit for me. You have to remember, I come from the real or the, I come from the radio world, so everything is always a bit. Like I get to use this story for my show later, you know. And so, mm-hmm. me being like, yeah. I got fucked up with Kathleen Gifford, and like I made her a drink, you know, like, like that's a good bit for me. And so, selfishly, I'm I'm definitely using that, but. But also, like, I just like to have a good time and mm-hmm. I want everyone to walk away being like, Wells is, is fun to be around. That's why I heard that you didn't like my <laughs> interview. I was devastated. Oh, man. Wow. Well, we're I, very glad we said it because the I squeaky know. wheel gets the grease in this case. I it's guess. true. And I'm so sorry about that. I, I do like you, Wells. But with all this momentum that's pushing you forward, is there a time when you can say, OK, I've made it. I've got that gig. I've got that job. Now I can relax. No, I mean the way that I've always done it is I I'm big like goal oriented person and I and you also mm-hmm. you like for everyone out there it, not that it really matters what I say but like you should write your shit down and you like manifest it so I'll go write down like what I want to do and I'll give myself a time limit to do it I mean a lot of times you don't you don't acquire those things like other things happen but I definitely like will make goals and then once I achieve them, then it's like time to make the next round of things. Mm -hmm. I think you should always be like perpetually trying to make yourself better or whatever. So the answer is is like, no, I don't think I'm ever going to be happy. 
Because there's always like the next cool thing that I don't, I don't even know. You know, like I don't even, I didn't know that the Kathy Lee Gifford thing, I keep using this thing. But like I didn't know that was, even, that wasn't even on the table. But then it became a thing. It was like, oh, that was so much fun. What a great story I have about that, you know? And yeah. so, no. Is there, is this exacerbated your drive to always want to like get to the next level when you're dating someone who's at such an insane superstar level? Like, I feel like you'd be lying if you said otherwise, but doesn't that put like so much more drive in you to kind of achieve things at the highest level or or does it not? I mean, yeah, I think I would be lying if I w- didn't say that like her success is isn't intimidating, but I also find that like really cool. Like I've always been mm-hmm. attracted to people who are really, really talented and like, I mean, coming from Nashville, all my friends were the best freaking musicians in the world. And I loved like surrounding myself with all those people. And for her, I think the same thing, like, obviously, yes, I, I'm never going to be like as well known as, as Sarah, like that's just, it's not a possibility, but I don't know, like if I can get like a little bit of that stardust that like kind of floats off of her. <laughs> Residual dust. Sexually transmitted. <laughs> And I wanted to ask about The Bachelor, because much in the same way uh, Steph Curry changed the game of basketball, I feel like you changed The Bachelor in a sense of there wasn't really any slim guys on. It was more that buff type of guy. And I mentioned this in the last episode, but now we have the clearer audio. So I want to kind of get a different answer here. Were you so surprised that they, they picked someone who was more with it? in the sense that you could kind of see the ironic nature of the show and make fun of it, and someone who's slimmer and a more Timothy Chalamet type of body type. <laughs> like, were you like, I'm not going to get this. I'm too self-aware and too slim. Yeah, I thought that was funny, especially when I met everybody, because I wasn't super with with it with the show. Like, I didn't really know the history. And then when I met everyone, I was like, wow, everyone's so ripped. But I also, there's a part of me that was also like, that's douchey. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. anyone that spends that much time in the gym is, I don't know about, you know, like, so I don't know. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I remember being intimidated by it, but then I was like, oh, I'm the skinny, funny guy. Okay, I'll be that. That's my part. I'll do that. But also like, you know, for me, so much about, I mean, going the show is a dating show and going back to it being a dating show, you can be the prettiest guy in the freaking world but like the most boring person to talk to, you know, like, yeah, I honestly, like, I think it's so much easier to get laid if you're funny than it is if like you're really good looking. Oh, 100%. And so I think I, I just, I, I, I was like, that's my, and I also think my producer probably told me that they were like, <laughs> you're never going to win a beauty contest, but. You are, oh, come on. you are uh, more entertaining than all these guys. So use that. All the ugly guys listening right now are like, <laughs> Le- Wells is such an asshole. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that he's right, though. And I do think that funny but, guys yeah. get women easy, more easily than it's just true. guys that are just good looking. It's tr- it could be true. But Wells, to call him not good looking would be well, ridiculous. Erroneous. So Wells would have both. Yes. Right. And so I guess yes. that's kind of like fishing with dynamite when you do have both. But do you ever get messages from maybe someone cast like a sl- slim guy and he's like, thank you? Because without you, I would not have been cast. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think they haven't repeated me yet. I don't know if there's. A- but but knowing your success and ha- are they looking for more Wells types? 
I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the casting process, but I think they're just looking for, I mean, it's a television show. So they're casting characters. There's the mm -hmm. bad guy. There's the nice guy. There's the nerdy guy. There's the funny guy. I think, you know, so every season has them and then you kind of throw them all together and you try to see, I think you try to see what happens. The great thing about paradise is it's just, it's like the best of, you know, it's like the all-star game uh, in Mexico. Right. Okay, Wells, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that. We are supported by HeyU. HeyU super serves reality fans by delivering thousands of hours of reality content curated in one place. They have over 8,000 episodes from over 300 reality shows, and 250 new episodes are added every year. It's wild. They have Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Real Housewives, Vanderpump Rules, our personal favorite. They have stuff you wouldn't even think you'd like, and then you end up loving it. I, they've got reality <laughs> shows figured out. I swear all of them are pretty much great. Oh, it's amazing. And one of my favorite things about Hey You is that you can catch up from the beginning. So you can binge from season one all the way to whatever season it's on now at TV. Because Alex is a late bloomer. She didn't start until I guess we met. Yeah. But you started midstream and now we're starting from the beginning and I'm loving it just as much watching them again as I did watching them the first time. And I love anticipating moments that you haven't seen yet. Oh, it's the best. And if you are watching at the same time as the episodes are coming out on TV, then you are in luck because they come out on Hey You the same day. So you can download the content on your devices and stream on the go. Plus, it costs less than a fancy smoothie at only $5.99 a month with no contract. That's one of the best deals around, I think. It's an amazing deal. So to get started, you can set up a free month-long trial by visiting get.heyu.com slash the family. Again, that is get.heyu.com slash the family. And you're not going to want to stop this service. And that's where they get you. But you know what? <laughs> it's, it's hardly any money. It's the best. And you guys will enjoy it. But speaking of enjoyment, we are also supported by... Seedlip, the world's first non-alcoholic spirit. Ooh. <laughs> Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirit solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And just to explain my ghost noise there, that wasn't to say, ooh, that's not a big deal. That was to say, ooh, it's spooky Halloween time and, sp <laughs> and spirit. Like, you got that, right? I like that. And you can make Halloween-themed cocktails. They have a lot of them that would be great for fall because Seedlip has three variants. We have Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, and they offer something to drink for every type of drinker, and I'd say for every season. And October seems to be that month when a lot of people are kind of toning down they're drinking of mm -hmm. alcoholic beverages, and I think Seedlip is the perfect replacement. Am I wrong? Oh, no, you are totally right. They pair perfectly with a splash of tonic. However, you can check out the Seedlip cocktail book for more complex cocktails, which Shane and I like to get into. And now we are so excited to be able to let you know that Seedlip has a promo code for you to get 10% off. If you type in the promo code thisfamilytree10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your delicious Seedlip spirits. This has been long overdue, but it's finally here. So enjoy it, embrace it, and love it. That's This Family Tree 10. And that website is seedlipdrinks.com or .ca. But now let's get back to our interview with Wells Adams. So in this, your first season of Paradise, you brought the puppets. You were uh, very featured very heavily. The editing style seemed to change a little bit. Were, were you, uh, do you ever get upset when when seeing how you're portrayed in the editing room? 
No, I think I'm always edited the way that I am. I think everyone's edited mm-hmm. the way that they are. I think the people that say that they got a bad edit are really not self-aware. And I think that's their that's, that's the big take. problem that they have. They don't realize that they are an asshole or they are stupid, you know? And I honestly think that's what's great about the show is that it really you have to look yourself in the mirror after the show. It makes people, I mean, at the end of the day, it makes people a lot better. It's it's super hard to stomach at first, but I've never seen anyone edited differently than really how they are. I mean, I've seen like funny stuff, like silly stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, like obviously you weren't talking to a raccoon or whatever, like there's (laughs) stuff like that. But for the most part, you are just who you are. I mean, the puppet thing, that was done of necessity. We got shut down. We really filmed that show for like 12 days. They needed something to fill. And so like I took a six pack into an interview room and I was like, let me tell the story with these puppets. I can give you like 20 minutes an episode of this stupid stuff. And they were like, (laughs) great. That's what we need. Well, you arrived in Mexico with the puppets already in your suitcase. They seem like Mexico puppets. Uh, no, it was a, it was a pr- production thing. Like we had nev- this had never happened. Oh. There was never a bartender that was able to tell the story in English, right? Like Jorge, <laughs> as great as he was, he didn't speak a lot of English, so it was really hard for him to do interviews and like kind of like set the table. Mm. So we were spitballing how I was going to be able to do it, and the original idea was that I was going to have props for each person. Like, oh God, it was Robbie. Robbie, I remember. Okay, so Robbie and. Um, Amanda, they're so pretty and they look like Barbie and Ken. So I was going to get Barbie and Ken and be like, you look so great. Your abs are amazing. Your hair is perfect. (laughs) I was going to do like we got the Barbies and we were trying that out. And then I live in this like dope little town called Sayulita and there was this toy store and I was like walking around trying to find stuff. Uh, I got someone was dumb as a rock and I got a rock and I put like googly eyes on it and I was going to have them be (laughs) the dumb rock. And then I walked in and I had these puppets. They had these puppets and I was like, I bought them all. I like, I like with my own money bought all the puppets. And weirdly enough, like years beforehand, my sister lives in Nashville and she had a kid and I wanted to entertain the kid. So I went on YouTube and like learned puppetry. And I there is a video, I can find it somewhere. It's like super far down on my Instagram where I'm doing queen uh, under pressure with a puppet and I did it for my nephew and they or my nephews and they fucking hated it. They thought it was the scariest thing <laughs> in the world, but I had learned all this puppetry stuff. And then, so then I went to Mexico and I, I remember walking in a six pack of beer and now I can't do this, but like I walked in a six pack of beer and I sat in that interview room for like three hours just doing puppetry. And you can hear <laughs> producers, they have eat earbuds right and they can talk to like video village like headquarters and i remember i could hear um at all the executive producers who are watching it all dying laughing and that's how i knew i was like this is really good so th- i just kept going and then i remember i was like hey we should stop and they were like no keep going so i sat there and like got drunk and did puppetry and it was the most fun thing in the world and i remember being like this is never going to make air this is never going to make air. And then it did make air and it was like the best thing ever. And then they cut it because they don't, they don't need any more hours of television. If, if the show 
go smoothly, <laughs> you know? Right. I see. I'm just happy to hear you're a puppet guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's hilarious. Who's a puppet person? Now, when you, you're obviously one of the more vocal, honest people. When people see how you talk about them behind closed doors, do, does anyone ever get upset? And like, Wells, come on. Like, I'm your friend or I'm not your friend, but now I hate you more. Uh, no, I'm because I'm pretty honest with them at the bar, too. You just don't see it. But I will tell you how I feel. My The way that I come at that show is I want you to look good on TV. I want everyone to look good on TV. Yeah. Except unless I think you're an asshole, then I want you to look bad. And then I'll help you look bad, actually. I'll be honest with you. I did not like John Paul Jones. I He was lying about my friend Derek. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to help you. If you're, and I'm going to like let you dig this grave. I remember him telling some stupid story where I called him out on like how ridiculous it sounded because it made no sense. And I let him fall on that sword. But for the most part, I want you to look good on TV because I know how, how hard it is to come off that show and have like America hate you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will say to the people, this doesn't look good. You need to fix this. You should go kiss that person. You know, I will tell them like, you should stop drinking. I'll do all those. It's going to look bad. Mm-hmm. Now they can take the advice or not. And then I'll go and I'll come back from interview and be like, I ripped you a new one because you were being an asshole. So where like where you'll let John Paul Jones types fall on their own sword. Will you ever stir the pot intentionally? That's all I my like, whole job is to stir the pot. What are you talking about? Have you watched the show? It's always like, oh, really? Yeah. What did they say? Tell me about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Besides John Paul Jones, is there anyone who you think is like the biggest asshole in Bachelor history, so much so that you'd be willing to divulge their name? No, and also, I want this on the record. I don't think I don't dislike John Paul Jones. I just thought he was being an asshole, and yeah. I let him know that he was being an asshole. And also, like, also, how dumb do you have to be to go after the bartender's best friend on the show? Like, that's the <laughs> worst route. Ever. Like, I remember being like, you're so stupid for doing this. You know I'm going to have his back. But anyways, I, I I like John Paul Jones. He owned up to it. He apologized, like, behind cold, closed doors with Derek. They're fine. But I remember the time I was a little upset because Derek's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. No, I like everybody, to be honest with you. Even Chad Johnson. I, have a, I actually have a good relationship with Chad Johnson. He was scary as hell on my season. And yeah. he's done some things that, like, I think are messed up. But was that roid rage, you think? Or what was that? Yeah. I mean, like he's the big like, is he on uh, steroids? I mean, I don't know. I never saw him like stick a needle in his butt. But I think that was the that was the perception that that's what yeah. was going on. I He was just going through lies. Mama just died, though. I think that he's oh, also no. living like zero calories, dude. I, re- I remember like <laughs> if you like, he I think he was just hangry. He was just like eating yeah. just protein and Jameson and he was just angry and his mom had just passed like I looking back I get it I thought he was a plant I thought for sure that he was an actor mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. there just to like mess with us but yeah anyways no I don't I don't have uh, any ill will towards really anybody oh I didn't like Leo Leo came in and was just mean for no reason he was just kind of mean to people it's like once he like got kind of got dumped or denied he was just kind of mean Leo was the stunt double. Yeah. He also like was a stunt man and yeah, stunt double. Yeah. And I think he wanted to play a part. Right. Yeah. Sometimes those guys want to be actors. That's why they get into the biz. 
Well, yeah, and I remember being like, don't do that. Don't play up because the because the one thing that people can smell my dogs are this is why I had to leave at eleven forty five, but my dogs are going crazy because oh, someone's just showed up. But the reason why um I was saying earlier, like how truth always plays, as stupid as America can be, anyone can smell inauthenticity from a mile away. Mm-hmm. It's so blatant. And any anytime anyone comes on that show, and especially I remember him being like, I should just be the bad guy. And I was like, but are you the bad guy or do you want to play the bad guy? Because if you are <laughs> playing the bad guy, then everyone's going to be like, you're not the bad guy. You're just an asshole. And, you know, yeah, like, yeah. this doesn't make any sense. Like, just be just be who you are and it'll play. That's another thing was when people say they got a bad edit. It's because I think a lot of people have a vision of who they want to be. So they want to portray that on TV. Yeah. But then that just comes across as like super inauthentic and weird. And then they, and then they're like, that wasn't me. But it was like, but that's what you were you were trying to pretend to be that person. So that is you because you were doing that thing. So just be honest and it'll be fine. See, I'm this is hot, a hot take that I'm really excited to talk to Blake about because half of my questions for him before he ditched us were about his bad edits. So I'm excited for this one. But Wells, we're going to let you get going to whoever you have over there. Thank you so much for coming on with us again. Honestly, it really means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. And where can people find you, your podcasts? Yeah, I'm at Wells Adams on the social media stuff. And then if you just go there on social media, like on Instagram or Twitter, I have one of those link tree things that kind of sends you to all the different podcasts and things. But yeah, I've got a podcast with uh, Brandy Cyrus, uh, Miley and Noah's older sister. It's called Your Favorite Thing, and that we just talk about our favorite things. It's a very positive podcast because there's just so much negative out there on the internet. And then I do another podcast called The Wells Cast, where I just interview kind of famous people and I find out like where they came from and get their origin story because I'm fascinated with like how people become successful. And yeah, that's it. Anyways. I'm sorry that you had to talk to me again, but I couldn't let that. No, this was amazing. I feel so much better. Even though the audio sounds fucked on our end, you're going to send it to us and I'm going to feel so good. Oh, I didn't record it. What's that? Get out. Shut up. (laughs) You did not. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Wells, and get to that barking dog. I really appreciate it. And I don't think you're an asshole. I think you're very sweet. Thank you. Ditto. (laughs) Thanks, guys. All right. So there, that was Wells. I thought that was a great combo. It flowed. It sounds great. Like, have you heard the audio quality? Oh, it's amazing. Because truth be told, the audio sounded terrible again. But what Wells did this time, he recorded on his end. So that's why you got that beautiful audio. Why are we getting unlucky with Wells' audio? Like, is it just a connection from our place to his Some, place? Something's just about that room. But we got lucky because he recorded it. It's probably the clearest audio we've yeah. ever had. No, I, I feel so glad about it. And again, thank you so much to Wells for making another appearance. He's our first double guest of the celebs. Yeah. Now let's get to our favorite part of the show where we answer listener questions. All right. So we got a fun crop of questions tonight. Shane did the question asking, you know, he went on my Instagram, was like, hey, if you've got questions, send them in. When Shane does it, we get an overload of questions. So we had like a ton tonight. I had to whittle them down. Uh, but every single one was fun. So starting off, what are your thoughts on genetic testing when pregnant? Okay, maybe not so fun, but This know. sounds like a real hoot. <laughs> so my thoughts on genetic testing, and I think I speak for Shane and I, are that we think, yes, do it, especially if you 
or your fetus is at risk of something because then you can plan ahead. So like for us, we thought both of our girls, we had a very high risk, like one in 30 of there being chromosomal abnormalities. So we had the genetic testing done and I had an amniocentesis with Lucy uh, just because we wanted to know what to expect and if we needed to, you know, change our house in any way, if we needed to learn about some sort of disability that we had not heard of, things like that. And that yeah, would really help me put me at ease. Yeah, I think some people think that you're going to abort if you get bad news or something, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't feel any which way about anyway. But we were just trying to do it more so to plan and be prepared. To educate. Yeah, because I didn't want to like go and learn all this stuff about Down syndrome if our baby wasn't going to have Down syndrome. Yeah, and and just the same. I mean – you know, you go through a whole pregnancy wondering what your baby is going to be like. And I'd want to have as clear a picture of that as I could and not be surprised day of like, okay, here's your newborn baby. Oh, and they have this abnormality that requires a lot of medical attention and that you actually need to learn a ton of shit about before you can take them home. So I'd rather have all that done and then be looking forward to the baby that, you know, like I'm going to be having regardless of what's going on. Yeah. Know the baby you're going to have. (laughs) the technology's there oh yeah so the next question what are your biggest strengths as parents biggest strength as parent i don't know i'm i think i am in an intuitive person and i i know what lucy wants and how to talk to her i'm good at that yeah you're so good at coaxing her into like using the potty eating her food things like that you're so good and just i don't know she's part of me so i feel Mm -hmm. like i have a good memory for what it was like when I was a kid. They say you can't really remember when you're till you're four, but I feel like I at my the heart of me, I'm just a really old child. <laughs> and I, I have that like I remember what it's like to be like so terrified of the dark. Oh, poor thing. So when I'm with Lucy, like I really um, I'm meeting mm-hmm. her at the same level. No, and she's going through that right now and it's so hard and it breaks my heart. And I think I have patience and I think maybe that's one of my best qualities. Uh and I think not with the kids. I find yes, you have less patience with the kids. Shame, you're me. not with them all day. I'm like, but you blow a gasket sometimes. When do I blow a gasket? Have I, was, I ever yelled at Lucy? No. no, that's why you throw things. Though I heard a Get bunch of, of no, <laughs> no. But sometimes your tone with the Lucy's a little. Oh, because I've asked her to do the same thing four hundred times, and she needs a tougher tone sometimes. And it's not like a mean tone, but like she needs a more stern tone at a certain point. And, you know, if I'm with them all day and you're working and it's like, how many times can I ask her not to throw a fit because I won't let her eat the dead ant on the floor? You know what I mean? I say eat the ant. <laughs> oh, our house is infested with ants, too. That was another complaint I wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. We have ants in the house. Ugh, in one cupboard. Yeah, you're patient. I Anyhow. have no patience for ants, but lots of patience for uh, Lucy. And so yeah. do you. You have more. You That's your good quality. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> You're a dingus. Okay, number three. Are you going to make podcasting your full-time gig? So I'm going to continue teaching, uh, and I love to teach, and I think that's a big part of the reason that I love doing this podcast and love having my blog because I like to share stories, and I like to teach, and I like to learn. Uh, So yeah, I'll keep teaching and podcasting like what as a full-time side job. Yeah, of course. Joe Rogan just yeah. signed a $100 million deal. I would love to do this. This was 
broadcasting and microphones and audio and conversation. It's always been my favorite thing. When I used to, uh, when I was in high school, I would spend all my time listening listening to the Howard Stern show uh, in a park with a, uh, I would, in my backpack, I would put a sleeping bag and I would take my backpack to the park and just, well, I did the morning announcements in the morning. Then I would go and sleep it while listening to Howard Stern in Hold the on. park. Let me, let me just cut in. So Shane went to five different high schools. No, I didn't. I went to three different three? high schools. Three? Okay. Yeah. I just, my dad that went to five, then I must have. Well, what happened is some high schools I went to twice. Okay. <laughs> so you made the switch five times, but you were getting expulsions based on your attendance, but all of your teachers loved you. Your principals loved you. You have like Not letters, all of them loved me. but you have letters of recommendation from your principals. Yes. I was a polarizing student. Some teachers hated me. Some loved me. The principals were very nice to me. I did the morning announcements. I did the pep rallies, the, you know, all those things that nerds tend to do, but I didn't have the grades to actually be considered a true nerd. It was kind of like the movie Rushmore, if you've seen that, which was my favorite inspiring movie at the time. But yeah, I would love to do podcasting and just think about nothing else. Yeah, no, it'd be a blast. The money would have to be right. Yeah, and it, and it can be. Mm -hmm. It's like, it yeah. can be. All right, next question. Uh, has Alex ever had an awkward encounter because of the photos you guys have posted? I love the photos, but just wondering if it's ever awkward. So what I, photo would be? I'm, I'm assuming like breastfeeding photos, but here's the thing. I also am a very public breastfeeder. Like I will, you know, feed Betty or Lucy when she was breastfeeding um, at a restaurant, at a park, in the mall, whatever. So it would be no different if a student and their parents were sitting across from me at a restaurant while I was breastfeeding my child or seeing a photo. Yeah, it's in way fact, more. In fact, yeah, in the photo, it, they're seeing less, I can assure you. But maybe even that's not embarrassing. It's the taking a photo in public, especially if someone can tell this isn't like a family photo to capture a moment. This is an influencer influencing. There's a, an account called Influencers in the Wild, which makes me hyper aware anytime I'm taking a photo of Alex in public. That's the embarrassing part. I'm super yeah, but, embarrassed by that. Oh, I am too. I don't like that, but we rarely do that. I know, but we're talking about the times we are embarrassed right now. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, well, why not? She's, she's asking about like photos that have been posted. Every photo that has been posted has been because either I or someone else has taken that photo in public. Mm -hmm. So... That's the embarrassing part. Yeah. So if we're talking, I don't think she's talking about the bedroom photos. She's talking when we're outside. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no awkward situations at the moment because of photos and we haven't run into anybody taking embarrassing photos publicly. So, yet. But yet. the night is young. <laughs> Zero awkwardness. And I think we'd be able to explain it all the way anyway. So next question. Soon, Alex, you'll be returning to work. How are you prepping to leave the babies? It's not that soon. No, I was just going to say, this girl must live in the U.S. because, yes, they would have to be going back to work now. It's 12 weeks. So they'd be back, which sucks. And that's awful. And the U.S. has no respect for mothers and for women. Fight for longer mat leaves. Like, I have a year. So I'll be going back to work next September. However, I could choose to take 18 months it would be the same amount of money that you'd get in the 12 month mat leave, but you know, just given to you in smaller increments. But yeah, US women who live there start fighting for better treatment after you give birth to babies because it's shit. Next question. 
If you could travel internationally right now with the kids, where would you go? And you were saying, Shane, you wanted to uh, travel. You're looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm not a world travel type person. I'm not a good geography person. I don't know anything. <laughs> you don't need to know geography to travel. Well, you might. You might be like, oh, I want to go to the Red Sea and <laughs> see the Greek soldiers or whatever Whatever people like to do who are worldly. I am a simpleton. Mm -hmm. I am what you'd call a basic B. Uh, I just like going to all-inclusive places and chilling out in the water. You know, look down on me if you will, but I don't care where I go and I have no preference. I am so easy to please. So I'll plan the trip and uh, I'm hoping to take the family to Greece because I think Shane would really like it because uh, Shane loves when water is warm like a bathtub. That's all I need. Greek water is clear as anything it's the most beautiful water ever it's so warm it's too warm that sharks they don't even have in their in their seas because it's too warm for them the food is healthy the food is delicious wine's amazing sounds good yeah i'll go and i'll yeah. have a great time so greece is what i'm looking forward to lately. perfect me too all right next question give me three apples this week and one onion so this person listened to our podcast with dr michael gervais last week in which we said we list you know, at the end of a day or at the end of the trip, we have to give an apple and an onion. The apple is the good, the sweet thing that happened. The onion is the bitter thing or the bad thing. But Michael Gervais suggested we do three apples to one onion and really focus on the positive stuff. So what are your three apples, babe? Well, onions would be easier. <laughs> apples. They're definitely more abundant. Okay, I'm, I'm really glad I got the refund from Nakis. Yes. Stuff like that. I hate minor injustices like that being screwed over, somebody having a leg up on me. Really enjoyed that. You found a $100 bill on the <gasps> ground. That was uh, amazing. So that makes me feel good because if you find a $5 bill, that's pretty happy feeling. But yeah. to find a $100 bill, like that will never happen again in your life. No. So that, that was pretty good. And that was just because, you know, it all goes in the same pot <laughs> so that felt good what else do i like i've been hanging out with lucy a lot and i've been enjoying her verbal ability so that's been a real apple for me because we i started doing this thing where i hop in her crib for like a five to ten minute period and she the things she says <laughs> and she's been singing me songs in my oh, ear that's and been the cutest she has a song about being a big girl in the future and protecting me. It's stuff like she, her vocabulary is much better in song <laughs> than it is just in, in babble baby talk. But yeah, that was good. Onion is, I don't like ants in the house. I used to think oh. ants were kind of a cute insect, but once you get a hundred of them, you kind of, they're, they're a little annoying. They just keep going after our honey. Uh, so my apples would be finding the $100 bill. Such a rush. Like, you I can't felt copy like mine, can you? I mean, yes, you can. No. Do what you want. <laughs> I just spit everywhere. No, yours was the fact that we had $100 to add to the pot, but mine was spotting it and realizing that nobody was around to claim it. That was such a rush. It was so much fun. Uh, the second apple is that we are able to go up up to the cottage this weekend so that is really exciting for me um and lastly my last apple oh we had we had some ice cream last night babe and that was such a treat that was amazing we really cut down our ice cream intake and uh we had some ice cream last night which was delicious but then my onion would be that it made betty's 
digestive system uh, really fucked up. And yeah, she spent all night um, really gassy and in pain and spent a lot of today writhing uh, in pain also. Wow. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big ice cream eater, but I uh, do enjoy that delivery ice cream, which is in the form of a McFlurry or there's a place called. Oh, if you're if you're local like Hamilton, Toronto, Sweet Jesus does this really yummy like blizzard type thing. It's delicious. Yeah, the O. Henry one is great. Okay, next question. What pods do you listen to? For me, I'll just, I'll go quick because I got a short list. Our own. I listen to Shane's other podcast, Mike Wait, on Much. You, li- <laughs> you do not listen to our own. Well, I listen to it so I could do the write-ups and everything. You, I, I listen to every Alex, podcast we put I know, out. But do you think that's the nature of the question? Of course not. But hey, self-promotion. If you don't advocate for yourself, Shane, who's going to do it? We've already got the hooks in there listening. <laughs> okay, I listen to Shane's other podcast, and this isn't, I'm not trying to self-promote this. I just love that podcast. It's Shane, his buddy Max, and his buddy Mike, and Max, uh, the lead singer from the Arkells, is called Mike on Much. It's a lot of fun. Erica, who is doing our editing right now, is also on that podcast. It's a great one. And then lastly, I listen to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, because I'm history buff. I like Joe Rogan. I like WTF. I like uh, Nervous Rex a lot. That's Simon Rex's former podcast guest. But yeah, those I, I think those are my main ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use a podcast to sleep every night. Did you say Armchair Expert? Yeah, something. I know you, you used to listen to that Yeah, one. yeah. I used to listen to Armchair Expert way more. Mm-hmm. But I think... It's like anything. Uh, if you, the same thing you begin, you like about something can mm-hmm. turn you off also. So I take little breaks from Dax. Yeah. And maybe it's because we're similar in some way that I find that too. If somebody like looks like me or anything, I'm something weirds me out sometimes. You know, <laughs> are you like that? I don't know. I, I haven't, I don't think been in that. I've never been in that position. So if I ever encounter that, then I'll try to pay attention to it. But I don't know if I've been in that position. Yeah. Who looks like you? Uh, what's her name? Estella Warren is the one I get. She's got a b- brown face like me. Oh, nice. So Google that. Googs that, as you like to say. What else? Do you we know have? I got that from? What? Well, Simon Rex. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. And lastly... Given Trump's behavior, do you really think he has COVID? I do. And I do because of his behavior and because he's so off the rails right now because he's really projecting an image of strength and he's trying so hard to project it, which makes me feel that he's not feeling that at all. And it's like, you know, it's like when a guy with a little dick gets a big, amazing cool car like a sports car or something and they're really overcompensating and that's what trump is doing right now with just how he's acting and now he's tweeting and everything is so amped up do you think trump has a little dick i think trump probably has a little dick he has opposite big dick energy that's for sure it's nothing and here's the thing even if he didn't i don't think he knows how to use it and i know he's been with a ton of women but i just think that Maybe he just feels like he doesn't even have to try because he's so wealthy. Mm-hmm. So he would probably be the worst partner in bed ever. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> At least <laughs> there's somebody lower than me. 
Well, honestly. <laughs> Get uh, out of here. Um, but what else do we have here? Is there any? Oh, I have to answer the question. Okay. Do I think Trump? No. Uh, and I think if you're into like conspiracy theories like that, it's almost getting too close to Trump's world mm-hmm. of, ah, that's fake news or something. It's, it's very hard to hide something like COVID. It would be the biggest risk of his career if he yeah. pretended to have COVID and did not. And he looked terrible. He did. In, he the, in the interviews, terrible. it's just like he looked totally different. And he received the best medical care known to man. So mm-hmm. when he's out there saying that, oh, it's not that big of a deal, it's like, well, it's not that big of a deal when you're- The ha- president. Yeah, when you're being shot up with all the, the these experts who actually know their shit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't privy to that sort of care. So- it's easy for me to say, don't be scared of the cold. Uh, don't be scared of the cold when you live in a home. Yeah, exactly. You know? So Exactly. Yeah, and that, that's all we got, babe. Those, what, that wasn't as fun as I was hoping it was going to be. Well, I just meant like nobody was asking questions about like, oh, how do you put your child to bed on time, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I like that question. Well. <laughs> you put a little rum, mix it with some milk, boom. <laughs> well, do you have any questions for me before we get out here? No, I'm just... Looking forward to moving on with our lives and uh, happiness ahead. Me too. All right. Thank you so much for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 57.